Welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Stacken here alongside my good friend and co-host, sports director at KORN Radio in Mitchell, South Dakota. It's Travis Krenz. Travis, how are we doing? We're doing good. We're uh, doing better than most football teams, it appears. And we got three inches of rain last week. It's great. Which was just a good, a good plenty. It was. It was really good. I really liked it. Yeah, uh, we got a lot of good soaking rain. It rained for like 24 hours straight, I think, or maybe more, and I loved it. Every second of it. More rain. Bring more rain here. Uh, Temperatures are nice and cool. Very fall-like atmosphere here. Last week when we talked, the Minnesota Twins were still alive, and shortly after we recorded, they were not. They were done, losing 3-2 to the Houston Astros. Um... Uh, what Royce Lewis hit a home run early in the game, and then they took Joe Ryan out after two innings. Caleb Thielbar gave up a two-run home run, and that kind of proved to be the difference. Uh, they did hit a solo shot or whatever in, what, the sixth or the seventh inning. They had a chance maybe to to break it out, maybe tie or take the lead later, but couldn't quite get it done. Uh, overall, though, uh, I'd say a, a successful season. They ended the post-game, or the, the 18, you know, game postseason uh, winless streak. They won a series for the first time in nearly two dozen years. So uh, very good. And Carlos Correa had a message for the team afterward. I don't know if you saw this or not. And it was about like, hey, remember this. We're going to be hungrier. Come come ready to work in spring training and we won't be in this position again. We'll, we'll move on. And I like that message from Carlos Correa. They gotta learn how to hit. They just can't hit when it comes to the good teams. I'm interested to see what the Rangers do against the Astros because the Rangers, they sure as hell can hit, and um, you know they've been able to at least in game two. They won five four. So yeah, you won some playoff games, I suppose. So uh, taking Joe Ryan out after two innings. Did you agree with that decision? No. They wanted, uh, you know, they, they liked their bullpen. Their bullpen did pretty well. I did not, uh, you know, Joe Ryan pitched well in the two innings he pitched. He gave up the uh, one home run mm-hmm. to Michael Brantley, and that was it. And I feel bad for him. You know, they, I guess they'll say that they were very confident in their bullpen. They were rested and ready to go. I, I would say they had not much confidence in Joe Ryan. And I maybe didn't either, but then you watch him pitch, and you're like, all right, he's pitching well, so leave him in. So it's the theme of the playoffs has been we're going to make this move regardless of what actually is going on with Jose Brios and everybody else. So it's why I hate analytics. It's why I think analytics are ruining sports. And like, you got to go with the feel of the game. You can't you can't go based solely on what a computer is saying or what the statisticians are saying. You got to go. All it is is stats, and you bring in Caleb Fieldbar because you've got Kyle Tucker who bats uh, like third, and Jordan Alvarez who bats fourth, and Jordan Alvarez hit two home runs the other day again, and one of them was off the left hander or Aldis Chapman. And you, you look at his numbers this year, or Jordan Alvarez does against lefties and righties, and he does better against righties, but his numbers against lefties are all-star level numbers against left-handers. Mm-hmm. And he has shown it doesn't matter, righty or lefty. So, 
don't don't for future notice don't bring in a left-hander to face Jordan Alvarez because it doesn't matter. Uh, teams haven't figured that out yet. The uh, the Rangers uh, game two yesterday they had Nathan Eovaldi out there. Mm-hmm. It was five to two in the fifth. Yep. And he struck out the side with the bases, and I didn't strike out the side, but he did not give up a run with the bases loaded and nobody out. Huge, huge job getting, great job getting out of that yeah. jam. That was massive. He struck out a couple guys, got a ground ball. Um, yeah, and, and that was one of those things where, like, the opponent, it's bases loaded. You're, you know, the game was decided in that inning, in that situation. He got through it. Not only did he get through it, they brought him out for the next inning. And I think he maybe gave up a solo home run. But I feel like the Twins would not have given whoever their starter was that opportunity to come out next inning. So, you know, the Rangers look like, you know, it's going to be them and the Phillies. See, uh, I don't like Max Scherzer starting game three. He hasn't pitched in a while. And I, you know, Houston obviously has to win game three. And I think they will. Giving Max Scherzer's on the mound there. Well, they better because Major League Baseball is dealing with a potential crisis of a World Series oh. here. If it's Arizona and Texas, like that's bad. Uh, they need Philadelphia in there um, because you know, that that ballpark is electric. That atmosphere is great. Um, I I hate Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia is awful. Their fans are awful. Um, not a fan of Houston either, though it would be a rematch of the World Series from last year. I got to tell you, out of the four teams, I like I zero interest really in any of this. If the Braves were in it, that would be one thing. Um, if you know, of course, if the Twins were in it, um, that would be great. Uh, just you know, with the Astros going down 2-0 at home, I have I've, I have a feeling it's going to be very tough for them to win four of the next. Uh, five games in this series. It's not like it can't be done, but boy, Texas is playing so well right now. They've won their first six road playoff games uh, to begin the postseason. Only two other teams have done that. One was the 1996 Yankees. They won eight straight. Can't remember the other team, but all three of the the or the other two teams won the World Series in those years in which they won that many consecutive playoff games to begin a postseason. So Texas is in rarefied air, and history says that they will win the World Series. Um, but but we'll see. I, if it's Texas-Philadelphia, it, it seems like Philadelphia is destined to win this unless they play Houston. Phillies-Texas would be good because I mean, they've both been by far the best teams. In the playoffs, so I'd be I'd be good with that. And if it's Houston, yeah, you really don't want to see Arizona in there. So anybody against the Phillies would be, I think, would uh, would be a good World Series. Any other thoughts on what we've seen from? No, no, I want his thoughts. No, oh no, yep, Travis wants to say something. What what do you want his thoughts on? What zoo animal would make the best baseball player? What zoo animal would be the best baseball player, Noah? A gorilla. Gorilla? That's oh, a, that's not a bad answer there. That's a great answer. What because a, he has a he has a special 
bottom that can catch it. Oh, do you, hey, there we go. Because he can open it so wide and then he can like, right. catch it. But there's some other way. He can use his hands. Yep, yeah, yep. How about another, uh, what's another animal? It's good. Yeah, you're right. Could be a, he could be a Marsh McGuire type. Yep, exactly. Uh, is there another animal, Noah, that you could think of? Another zoo animal that would make for a good baseball player? Giraffe. Oh, yeah. Giraffe. How are you going to hit a home run with a giraffe uh, in right field? You, you can have to hit it high. Because it can run fast yep. and get the baseball in its mouth. Yup. And it can wrap it up with its neck. Do you think an elephant would be good? You could use his trunk as a bat. Oh, yeah. A hippopotamus? Really, no. No, no. Because a hippopotamus, if he opens his mouth, he could swallow it. Yeah. And so, definitely not a good play. Nope, nope. There nope, we go. Nope. All right. I like this. I mean, Bugs, Bugs Bunny's been a hell of a ball player in the day, so he's been, uh, he's been really there's good. Other, there's other kinds of animals that could use a net. But I have a question for you, Travis. Oh. Right. I got a question for me. Uh, what animal could use it, some kind of a sucker in there to get and blast it out from its mouth? into the soccer net like soccer oh so what what's uh what animal could suck in the the ball and shoot it into the, the to the back of a soccer net what what animal? i think that's an elephant that's an elephant right there he, he says elephant is that a good answer yeah but there's two more can you guess two more oh there's two more i'm gonna say the the gorilla again a gorilla uh, I don't think so. Oh, no. How about a whale? I'm going to do a whale. The whale sucks it into its uh, blowhole. Yeah. Wait, and shoots it at you. I'm going to uh, 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 Travis, you can't do that. Why? Yeah, uh, it's only like we're doing land based animals here. The whale can't move without water. Oh, no. okay. We have to play on Okay, so what would the other two animals be then? Fair enough. Like giraffe. Okay. And, and like, not a shark. Nope, not a shark, because that's... A bear. A bear, okay. Bear. So oh, that's two bear. animals. Oh, okay. Uh, because a whale could not even do it. Right, because it's in the water. Yeah, and besides, they can't build a machine, because... The scientists don't know how to build that machine. Right. And besides, they don't have destruction that can build that. Right. Nope, they don't. They, because the, I know they are pretty smart, but they don't know how to do that. Not yet. Well, that's fantastic. All right. Anything else for Travis? Uh, yes. Okay. Travis, what, what would be the best... Grabber that can grab its own prey. Ooh, what what would be the best animal that could grab its own prey? A lion. The lion. That's a good answer. Yeah. <laughs> what about a tiger? Oh, that's a great answer. Yep. Tiger would be good as well. Tigers sneak up and catch its yep. prey. Yep. I hear a tiger is very good at catching women that he's not married to. That's what I hear. <laughs> 
if he if he if he repeats that joke at supper tonight, we uh we're gonna have to have a chat. <laughs> Listen to this in about ten years and figure out what the hell that meant. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it took me a second, but I I figured it out here. Uh, Travis, there's uh-huh. another one. Okay. There's there's three more, Travis. Uh, oh, uh, what do you think would be the best one that could catch it still prey? Three more. Three more, okay. What, what? A tiger, a lion, yeah. uh, a wolf. You got a wolf. A wolf? Is that one? Uh, no, not quite. Okay, what? Because, because, because sometimes we may... See it, then the wolf can't get it right. Okay. So not that. Okay. A mountain wolf could. Oh, a mountain wolf. Okay, so that kind of counts then. Because they're the sneaky. Mm-hmm. But, but not what, real wolves. What other, is there an animal in the water that could catch its prey? Well, the shark. A shark. A shark uh, would be good. The megalodon. Oh, yep, the megalodon. That's yep. a shark. Yep. Yeah. Raven Zebra for the lions back in the day. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure the metal dog doesn't exist anymore because because you don't think so? No, it lived a long time ago. Oh. Okay. And besides, it's dead now. Oh. Besides, it doesn't live in the aquarium anymore. No. No. I'm sure it lived in the dinosaur land too. Yep. Yep. The mirror did it. Then it must have popped up, and the mirror of fire accidentally fired it. So he doesn't exist anymore. Right. The because the meteor. Yeah. It, it's called. Yeah, what if he found upon it, and some kind of a big mirror just hit his head, and he went to deadness? I. That would be bad. I think I think that's I think that's why the meteor got blasted out of the sky. Thoughts on Justin Jefferson not playing in Sunday's game against the Bears? Oh, okay. But there's one more. Oh, okay. All right. Okay, Travis. Uh, what what animals could actually climb up a tree? Oh, okay. I think a bear, a bear, or a monkey. Yeah. Okay, one. Well, you have four more guesses. Well, are bears and monkeys correct? Yeah, but he can guess four more. Okay, animals. Four, four more animals. I hate, I hate to say it, but a snake. Ooh. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, but not hyper snakes. Right. No. No. Not hyper snakes. Uh, maybe a cat. Big cat. Little cat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but just don't say dogs. They're not very good. No. Not. No. Dogs can't. Because they don't have sharp claws. Right. Okay. How about a squirrel? Uh, a spider monkey could. Yeah. Well, but spider. That's a type of monkey, though. He he said that. What about a gorilla? Yeah. A gorilla is part of like yeah, ape. It's a primate. Yeah. It. But when something comes, it can. I think it can get away fast enough. Probably. It's pretty strong. It can like. Do this. And then he does that. Yeah. Gorilla smash! Oh, that sounds like Donkey Kong. No, Donkey Kong doesn't say Gorilla Smash. Remember in the Mario movie? You didn't hear him. That's true. That is true. Only gorillas can say... Gorilla Smash! Really? Because they can't talk. 
Oh. They just say, Mom! They talk in their own language, don't they? Yeah, but they can't talk. Okay. But they don't live in the... All right. Anything else, buddy? Nope, that would be it. All right. I just wanted to teach Travis about animals. Oh, that's very nice of you. Appreciate that. All right. There we go. There there you go, Travis. You got a a zoology lesson there. Very nice. A lot of animals, a lot of giraffes, a lot of gorillas. Yep. Whales at megalodons. You know, megalodons. Those are big. Huge, huge animals. Here. So, what else, uh, b- uh, I think, before we got on the animal talk here, uh, anything else that you're, like, really excited about uh, in in these uh, AL and NLCS uh, for the ML- MLB playoffs? Well, Phillies have been playing well. I don't think it would have made a difference if the Dodgers or the Braves would have played the next day. They just sucked. Um... I don't know, twins, see what moves they make. Does Max Kepler come back? Does Jorge Polanco come back? They've got $10 million options or a $1 million buyout. Sonny Gray is probably not going to come back. He is probably the top free agent pitcher out there. I would like Cody Bellinger from the Cubs to play center field, but that is unlikely to happen. He'll get a big contract. So... I would like Cody Bellinger too. Yeah, hold on. Yep. Yeah, I mean, Twins have, have shown um, trying to be very active trading for starting pitchers. They don't necessarily need to do that. They've got enough of those if they want you know, somebody to replace Sonny Gray. Mm-hmm. They would need to do that. So we got some pieces there. So speaking oh. of like start trading for starting pitching and whatnot, uh, the Marlins made some news on Tuesday. Kim Ang uh, is no longer the GM of the Marlins. It sounds like she, her and the team parted ways. It sounded like it was a mutual uh, deal. You know the they wanted her back and she said no. Right, yeah, but it sounded like the owner, the the principal owner, majority principal owner, wanted more um, say in some of the decisions that the team was making. Uh, what do, what do you make of this whole thing? Yeah, like the Marlins have never been a well-run organization, uh, no matter who their owners have been. And here you got you know first female general manager, and she gets it to the playoffs in her first couple of years. And um, she doesn't want to be there anymore, so that says a lot about what they're doing in Miami. So, and so yeah, she they have a very good probably uh, run some other team. So, it, they got a good young team. I mean, Boston has been floated out as a possibility because uh, they're looking for a new GM. So that would be intriguing. But um, I, yeah, she needs to be in an off, uh, front office here because she did a lot of good work. You know, getting. You know, swinging those trades for Josh Bell and uh, Berger and and whatnot, uh, getting Luisa Rise. I mean, that's that's significant. If the starting pitching had been up to snuff, like if Alcantara had been, uh, you know, healthy and whatnot, they would have been they would have been okay. And with the Twins, you know, Buxton, you just don't ever count on him anymore. Right. They, you know, it's past due. Well, maybe he'll stay healthy. No, he won't. Nope. So his 
you know, essentially his career is over. I hope they keep Kepler because he he played really well the second half of the season. So he's out there. You know, I I don't know. The division, I feel like the Detroit Tigers are now their closest competitors. Um, you know, guys just have to play better next year. You know, Correa's got to be better. Yep. It was a you know, disappointing season. You just, oh, we're going to wait to the playoffs. And then, you know, Pablo Lopez had his two good starts. So Well, the Twins are the first team in Major League Baseball postseason history to play at least six games and strike out at least ten times in each of those games. That's got to improve. I, I don't see that philosophy changing, and I think it has to change. Yep, I agree. You strike out a lot, you walk a lot, and you hit... He had a lot of home runs. Play but, some small ball. It's okay to play small ball. Yeah, and, and I mean, this team probably doesn't win a game if it's not for Royce Lewis. Right. And he has become, will become the star of this team if he stays healthy. Mm-hmm. And like Buxton, at least, geez, I mean, he's had two A. I couldn't imagine Buxton having two ACLs. <laughs> and Lewis has done that, and he's come back, and he's been better than everybody and he's still only 24 years old. So he is the star of this team. Uh, so that is good to see. Yep. Uh, bullpen, bullpen should be better. The bullpen was really good in the playoffs. It was. It took to like the last two weeks of the season to get this bullpen figured out with all these guys coming back from injuries. Uh, but there's going to be injuries. But the, the bullpen, when healthy, is good. The starting pitching won't be as good next year because... They were number one, number two. Mm-hmm. Like, hard to be better than that or even as good, so the starting pitching will probably take a step back. So we will see what, what they do. Um, they can be as aggressive or not aggressive as they want to be, I guess. So we will see. Indeed we will. Uh, touching on the Vikings quickly here. Uh, they beat the Bears. Five straight wins now against Chicago, I believe. Um, wow. You know, Tyler Badgett, Travis Badgett, whatever his name is, Trevor Batla, whatever that guy's name is, uh, came in for Justin Fields. For the most part, the Vikings played him okay. Then they, they went soft on the one touchdown drive the Bears had, but they won the turnover battle. Uh, Jordan Hicks was great. Um, the offense was not. This is just like a, what are we doing here? A Tyson Badgett, that, that's the guy's name, Tyson. Uh, what, I mean, what? I, well, this will be the week that win by more than uh, a score. Like this is gonna, it wouldn't have counted because Justin Fields got knocked out. But then it didn't matter anyway because they scored a touchdown and they're driving late. I mean, they just keep running the ball. They'll probably beat the Vikings. And then they throw a bad pass and it's intercepted. I and they did roll up the clock at the end, so that was good. Byron Murphy played great against DJ Moore. Uh, three catches, twenty-three yards. He had that pick. Late in the game, uh, that was great. I don't know what this does. Uh, the fact that the 49ers may not have Christian McCaffrey, he did avoid a long-term injury. Uh, he has a chance to play Monday night. Debo Samuel may play Monday night. Trent Williams may play Monday night. But then again, they may not. Uh, I'm sure the 49ers are salty after that loss to the Browns. Um, I, I, I mean, it seems highly improbable that the Vikings could beat the 49ers. But if those three guys don't play, there is a chance. Uh, we'll see what yeah, happens. I don't know how much. What's that? 
I got a chance to cover. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, just, I, I don't, it, it didn't even feel, it doesn't feel like a good win. Um, but then again, two awful teams. Yeah. I fell asleep in the second quarter. More drops. Only thing they didn't do, I guess, is turn it over too much. Cousins had the bad. The almost bad is, I mean, he was sacked. He throws it backwards. The Bears, I thought they had it inbounds. I thought that was... Uh, how are how are football players so stupid that on a backward pass, they don't run after it and, like, make an effort? Like, oh, it's okay. It's it's not... It's a lateral. It's behind you, stupid. Like, come on, Cam Akers. You got to figure it out. And you're like, if you're going to make an effort... I think, to- I think he was going after the ball. He just couldn't well, get it. <laughs> kicked it and fucking fumbled it. And Cousins, like, don't do that. Yeah. Just take your sack. Just, I saw the same thing with Mitchell. They did the exact same thing. Where uh, they, lost, they the kid caught it, and they, he lost five more yards. They lost ten yards on the play. So don't do that. The defense was all right. And there's this random guy nobody's ever heard of from some school. Nobody knows where the hell it's at. Shepard, I, I I remember hearing about it in the draft. Uh, that the, I mean, this kid was pretty good. I remember seeing it in the frozen food section for frozen pie. <laughs> so he, he comes in, doesn't look terrible. I'm like, Jesus Christ. And they're playing off these receivers so much, it's like either blitz this guy. Yep. Is he, he's wetting himself at the moment. Mm-hmm. Or send eight back in coverage and say, yeah, go ahead. You got nowhere to, nowhere to throw the ball, so... Yep, you get uh, too much. I, I feel like if Justin Fields doesn't get hurt, the Bears win. Maybe, but he wasn't even doing that well before he got hurt. Like you don't have to. Like yeah, you don't throw the interception. He was running around a little bit. Uh, I feel like if he's in the game, I feel like the Bears. Yeah, I mean they were driving there with you know three, two, three minutes left. They were what at the forty. Mm-hmm. They were right there. Yep. So. Oh yeah, like you could sense it coming a mile away. That it was. This is now what thirteen straight wins by eight points or less. The the Packers game last year to open the season, I believe, was the last time they won a game by more than eight points. Yikes! And there's no indication that that streak is going to end this year. No. no. Or any game they win is going to be close. Mm-hmm. So what it did was screw them with draft position. You know, you got San Francisco this week. You guys got the Packers next week. Yep, and then the uh, then the Falcons. Falcons. It's like you know a season going nowhere. Cousins doesn't want to leave. So where you know he's, I don't know. Does anybody want him? Does anybody need him at this point? I don't know, but. It feels like a big turning point where they could do something big. They've got, you know, Daniel Hunter. Do you get rid of him? Do you just kind of start all over? Right? They don't something they don't want to do. I'm looking at quarterbacks, and you know, I'm not going to get Caleb Williams. But well, do you want Drake, him after last week? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, Drake, you look at you know, Drake Mays, probably that number two guy. Can you get in a position to get him? Or Michael Penix Jr. I don't, and I don't like anybody else really besides those two. 
I don't like Michael Penix. I certainly don't like Bo Nix. I like Caleb Williams a lot. I like Drake May a little bit. And that's about it. So can you get... Are you going to be in that top 10, 7, 8 spot? Mm-hmm. You have to move up to get, I don't know. There's going to be a team up there that's going to want to move down that doesn't need a quarterback. So do they settle for Michael Penix? I don't, I don't know. I don't see that working out. But we will see. It's, this already seems like a extremely long football season. Well, Anthony Richardson is likely out for the year for the Colts. Uh, so that was, you know, they're playing the long-term approach with him, which I guess is good, but he may need to change his style of play or he's going to suffer more injuries like what he has suffered this year. Significant. This was a very significant week in the NFL. Uh, both of the unbeaten teams lost on the road to inferior competition. I don't think there's any other way around it. The Cleveland Browns were playing their third-string quarterback, P.J. Walker. There's no... Yes, weather was a factor, but there's really no reason why the Browns' offense should have done as well as they did against the 49ers' defense, a defense that's very good. Brock Purdy played awful. Uh, and the, the Cleveland Browns have a great defense. Great defense. They're giving up just over 200 yards a game. I mean, they're sensational. Miles Garrett blitzing a lot. This Jim Schwartz uh, defense is is fantastic. Apparently, he's nine and one in his career against Kyle Shanahan. So something to keep note of if Jim Schwartz and Kyle Shanahan ever meet again. Uh, but I was very surprised at how bad San Francisco looked. But then you factor in the injuries, and it's like okay, that makes a little more sense. Philadelphia losing to the Jets doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, granted, Philadelphia has not been playing very good this year, so it seemed like a loss was inevitable. But Jalen Hurts played at, like absolute dog shit against the Jets. Uh, Devontae Smith had a couple of drops. And I, I, which which team's loss is more surprising to you, the Eagles or the 49ers? 49ers. Everybody was calling them Super Bowl champs and, you know, undefeated and all this. Uh, the Eagles did not look good. Mm-hmm. You know, the Jets got a good defense and yeah. the Browns have a good defense. And if you got a good defense, you can uh, pull an upset off like that every once in a while. And then, then Buffalo almost beats the Giants, which would have been a bigger upset of all of them. You mean so, the Giants uh, almost beat Buffalo? Yes, yes, yep, 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 you're right. I don't know what's going on. Uh, the, the offenses are bad in football now. Offenses are bad. Quarterbacks are bad. I kind of like the I like the lower scoring games. I'm not going to lie. I, after all the all the points that were scored yeah. a couple years ago, let's let's bring it back down. Let's have the, these defenses play play well. But you're right. I think it's some bad quarterback decision um, decision making. And you've got. What was it? I was watching the end of the Browns 49ers game when I switched it over. And Cleveland had it like at the 20 yard line, and they, you know, trying to score. I think they were down at the time. And um, they kicked a field goal to end up winning it. Mm-hmm. But they passed it on second down when they should have ran the ball, and yep. they passed it. Yep. That was stupid. That cost them, you know, 30, 40 seconds. But that was a stupid move. And. You know, the Jets, they score off the interception 
And when Brees Hall scores, they let him score. They wanted to get the ball back. And I'm like, oh, no, you can't. Now, obviously, the you know, you go down at the one-two yard line, you run the clock out, you, you kick a field goal, you win it that way. Um, Didn't the Eagles have two or three timeouts, though? Yeah, they had uh, a couple, so you could you know, run that down even more. But I'm like, they, they, they still would have had out. over a minute to go, and then yeah. all they would have needed is a field goal to win. Like, I, I get but, that you left them a lot of time, but you had to... By them scoring that touchdown and then subsequently... Like, it wouldn't have mattered. They would have... By scoring that touchdown, they forced the Eagles to have to score a touchdown and not just get a field goal to win. And the thing about it is, like, the Jets' defense is really good. So, mm-hmm. it's like, they, the Eagles didn't appear to be doing much all game long. So, you feel confident. Sure, give the Eagles the ball again with, you know, a minute 20 to go and a couple timeouts. Like, and they didn't... I don't think they even got a first out. I don't think they picked up any yards. Yeah. On the last drive. So it's like that. It's like, well, not every time. You're not going to, you know, Patrick Mahomes isn't always going to, you know, run down the field and get a fucking touchdown with 12 seconds left. Like, you know, yeah. score a touchdown, take your chances, see what happens against the other team. Because you, you always see these situations happen. Oh, they, they too much time's on the clock. Well, first off, they got to score. And, you know, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. So, you know, the Jets are hanging in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you see dumb shit Rodgers is throwing and everyone's making a big deal out of it? I saw the best tweet I saw. is like, man with lower body injury can still use his upper body, so that's good to see. <laughs> like, he's not, he's not coming back from a fucking Achilles tendon. I can only and hope. if it was, then it wasn't an Achilles. The thing that takes, you know, a year to come back from. Yeah, it's been a month, five weeks. Yeah, he can, you know, no crutches, this and that. I, mean, I you know, he's not coming back. Well, and he didn't really do that much. Can you imagine how much pain he was in? And then just, oh, I got to do it for the cameras. And he gets off, and he's probably like, oh my god, I'm in so much pain right now. He wasn't doing that much. He's throwing. I'd love, I'd love to see him come back and say, what, what did you do? What did you do to come back from this injury? Oh, what medicine are you believing in now that you didn't before? Right. So what illegal thing are you taking? Uh, so. Crystals or talk, swimming with dolphins or listening to dolphins have sex, whatever he does. Um, Bills I don't look, say this back uh, Best team in football? Don't say it, it's the, it's not the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions. It is not Lions. the Detroit Lions. They are up there. They are a top five Detroit team. Lions. They are better than the Chiefs. They are better no. than the Eagles. They're nope. better than Buffalo. They're nope. better than San Francisco. They are the fourth best team in the NFL right now. They are really good. They are, but they're the fourth best team. 49ers are one. I will put the Eagles two, the Chiefs three, then the Lions. I don't think. I don't know who's winning the Super Bowl, but I don't think it's San Francisco. Well, if they can't stay healthy, then that's that's going to be a the problem. problem. McCaffrey, the way he gets hurt, mm-hmm. and San Francisco, you know, they're they're the Dodgers in the break. So, like, oh yeah, they're pretty good, and they should have won, but they haven't yet. And the Eagles don't look good. So I, other than those two, I mean, I I, I don't. And the AFC looks like trash at the moment. Um, what a game we have this week, Sunday night, Dolphins-Eagles. That is a significant game. Yeah, I need to see something from the Dolphins here. You need to win You need to win against one of these good teams. Mm-hmm. We got your doors blown off against Buffalo, and 
Yeah, you can you can beat Carolina and all these other shit teams, Denver. Like uh, that's a big game for the Eagles too. They've they've you know they've not been impressive. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is actually a, a game of somewhat significance. So it's easily the best game of the week. Uh, Chargers looked like crap against the Cowboys. It, I mean, what what it's just ugh. it. Yeah. yeah, there were only two teams that scored more than thirty points this week in the uh, last week in the NFL. Jaguars there thirty-seven, like, there like Dolphins forty-two. Nine teams that scored less than twenty-one and one, which is I think happened once in thirty years. Yeah, it's so, absurd. Hey, man, it's not like you know, like, not like the weather was a factor. I can tell you, a lot of teams playing backup quarterbacks. You know, a lot of teams that are just bad on offense right now. So I think it sets up good for the Lions to do something. That is true. That is true. Uh, let's go to college football here. And this was, uh, I build it up as the game of the year. I was so excited for the game. It lived up to it. And then some Washington beats Oregon 36-33. I really like Washington's chances at making a, college, a run at the college football playoff. Oregon still is right in there. Utah, if Cam Rising can come back at all, they're going to be a factor. USC did, like, I mean, Caleb Williams played as bad as you possibly could. I was very surprised that Notre Dame played as good defensively as they did in that game and that Caleb Williams played as bad as he did. But just going back to Washington and Oregon, I hope these two teams meet again in the Pac-12 championship because... No, you don't. No, you don't. Yeah, why? Why don't I? Because Oregon's going to win, and they're not going to get a team in. Who is is better? Because Georgia now is going to be without Brock Bowers for at least four to six weeks, if not longer. They're the only legitimate team in the SEC that's got a chance at at the college football playoff. We don't know, like, is UNC or Florida State going to get in potentially? One team out of the Big Ten. I don't see any team from the Big 12. Oklahoma will lose eventually. I think as long as the Pac-12 doesn't cannibalize themselves, at least one team with one loss is getting in from that conference. At least. Uh, I've been saying no. Penn State, I mean, with with Penn State, Ohio State, Penn State, I think, should win that game. Yeah. Like, Penn State's been better than Ohio State. Agreed. Agreed. So, Penn State... You know, Penn State could be a one-loss non-conference winner, with that one loss being the Michigan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Michigan makes it. I think Florida State makes it. I think Georgia makes it. And then you're dealing with a bunch of one-loss teams. So we've never again, this is the last year of the 14 playoff, and we've never had an actual discussion. We've actually never had a debate where it's been, like we've known who the four teams are going to be every year. Or hopefully this year maybe we've got some debate. I, I um, hope Georgia doesn't make it. Quite frankly, I hope they lose at least one game here in the... Um, I think if these two teams play again, Oregon would win because Oregon, Dan Lanning, their head coach, shit yes. the bed. Yep. We want to talk about you know, Mario Cristobal in Miami and how poorly he cost him there last week. Dan Lanning cost his team the victory. Mm-hmm. With his fourth down decisions, not going for field goals, mm-hmm. and well, they're aggressive and this and that. Well, you're, you're up for most of the second half. You're down 22-18 at halftime. You've got it inside the 10. Final play of the half. You kick a field goal to get within one, a chip shot. 
instead you choose to go for it, mm-hmm. you don't get it. That costs you three points right there. Yep. You go to the end of the game, you're up by four, mm-hmm. and then Washington scores the game-winning touchdown, and right there, maybe Washington goes for two. I don't know, but at the very least, you should have been up by seven points mm-hmm. at that point. Uh, give yourself a chance to win. This isn't this isn't sixty six sixty five. This is you know what was it thirty thirty four to thirty? What the hell was the score? Thirty six thirty three was the final score. Decently high scoring, but you know you need, you need some points. So at the very least, they should have went into overtime. Yep. And then they went for it like on their final drive there. They went for it uh, and gave Washington really good field position. They didn't get a fourth down, I believe. Mm-hmm. And you should have punted. Pin them back, you know, at the, inside the 20. Instead of what they get the ball, midfield at the 40, where they get the ball at. 47-yard line. At the, yeah, they're 47. Like, Two plays 53 yards later, it's a touchdown. Yeah, and they had another opportunity to score to win it, but then they missed the field goal at yeah. the end when that should have been a tie ball game. So I thought he – that was awful. Oh, That's it. That absolutely. is absolutely in, in a big game. He was horrible. Absolutely. But this was a great game because it was so back and forth. Uh, yes, there were some questionable decisions and whatnot, but you know, two top ten teams battling it out, the back and forth nature of it. Like Oregon, when they're down by 11 in that second half, you're kind of thinking, okay, Washington's got control of this. And all of a sudden, Oregon roars back with uh, 15 points and takes a 33-29 lead. It's like, okay, it, it's just the, the response. Yes, they probably should have won if Dan Lanning makes a couple better decisions. But it's still the back-and-forth nature of this top-ten battle. And I think it really proves how legitimate both of these teams are in terms of a spot in the college football playoff. Like, you can't tell me right now, based on what we've seen so far, that Georgia is legitimately better than either Washington or Oregon. Like, no, I don't, like, I don't think Georgia should be number one. But they are going to, they're not going to be, they're going to continue to be number one until somebody beats them. Right. Yeah, but it, they're, they're getting not. the benefit of the doubt, in, and I don't think they should. I'll tell you what What team I think really kind of has changed the whole complexion of of this whole thing. I think it's North Carolina. Tez Walker comes uh, back uh, after that whole saga with the NCAA. He gets three touchdowns. Uh, Drake, Drake may look great. Uh North Carolina is strong running performance by O'Marion Hampton uh, combined with Tez Walker. Like, this is a very scary offense that they have in North Carolina. And I think USC is done. I really do. I don't think they can make it through their gauntlet of uh, Pac-12 scheduled ring. They have Utah this week. That's not going to be easy. If Cam Rising was playing, I think they would win. They got Washington coming to their place here in a couple weeks. They have to go to Oregon. USC is not getting through this unscathed. So no, they they I mean, fuck, they might finish fifth. Right, right. I mean, you got Oregon State in here too. It's Washington and Oregon. It's a two-team race. Washington State they lost two in a row. They're not even ranked anymore. So this is a two-team race. Yep. Um, North Carolina. They don't. They don't play Florida State. Right. Not until they. I mean, they're, the, the, I mean, they're ranked tenth. They're not the tenth best team. Um, they barely beat Appalachian State. Uh, they they did not blow the doors off of a terrible Gophers team. They uh, almost lost to Miami. It's forty-one thirty-one. You know, 
it's going to be North Carolina where they might be like, you know, 11 and 1, but I don't know. They're not a serious contender for me. That that game against Duke here in November is going to be the biggest yeah. North Carolina Duke game football-wise maybe ever. And you got to win at Clemson, you got to win that game, you got to yep. win at North Carolina State. But Clemson and North Carolina State don't appear to be very good. Or, like, not as good as what we thought they could be. Um, I don't think North Carolina's all that good. They're a team that, okay, who have they beaten, how have they played, eh, you know. They, like, they, they, are, like, they are not going to play, like, anybody now. What a, what a schedule they play. Duke is the best team they play, and Clemson's the second best. I don't know. It's, and Clemson, you know, is like an eight-win team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they walk out not having to play Florida State until the championship game. So, let's see. I look at the uh, – I don't know how how Washington's going to get up there. I just don't see them. I'll tell you how. Their November schedule. I, like, they have to play uh, USC. They have to play uh, – uh, like USC may be unranked at that point. Well, they might. They, they, uh, let's just say I I really like Washington's chances. I said it at the beginning of the season. I, I couldn't quite pull the trigger between them and USC, and I wish I had. I really liked Washington coming in, and they are not doing anything to um, dis discredit what I what I think they're doing. I, that's that's legitimately a good team, and I really wish Notre Dame would have beaten either Louisville or Ohio State to remain in the, the, the college football playoff discussion, the conversation here, because uh, that win over USC would have meant so much more. I mean, if Pittsburgh just beat Louisville. It, it's just crazy here what's going on. If Ohio State loses to Penn State this week, Penn State's going to jump Washington. So Washington just kind of stuck at five. They can get to four because, you know, Michigan – there's only one Big Ten team there in the top four. They're fine you know? until November. Then, then November, then Washington really starts jumping. And you would think these teams are all going to lose once along the way. There's going to be, you know, will there be more than two undefeated teams? Will there be three of them? Maybe. I don't know. That's... We, will, we will see. Yep. I still like Oklahoma. Oklahoma's at six. I really like them. I think if Daniels... Uh, plays quarterback for Kansas here in a couple weeks, Kansas will beat Oklahoma. No. No. Uh, uh, Oregon, Oregon State, uh, they should win their next three here, so they would be 9-1 mm-hmm. uh, playing Washington and Oregon. I mean, 9-1 mm-hmm. Oregon State would be a top-10 team hosting Washington. That would be a mm-hmm. big game. And then you got a team who doesn't look very good, uh, but they are still there, and they're they're Alabama. Yep. And they're winning games. And if they win these next two, they should finish eleven and one. Oh, it's fascinating that they will. Uh, you know, they play Tennessee here, and then what? LSU is next, right? Both at home. They got uh, Tennessee, then they've got a bye, and then they've got LSU. LSU looks, you know, they can score a lot of points, but their defense doesn't look good. And I think they probably beat ten. Tennessee's not look great. So, I mean, what the hell do you do? I mean, Alabama at 11-1. and one. LSU just could end all of this right now in three weeks by beating them. Please do it. Just please end the discussion. 
Now, if you get Alabama, Georgia in the uh, in the title game, let's say Alabama pulls off an upset. Are you going to leave Georgia out? Yes. I. Uh, it'd be it'd be interesting to see what happens. So a lot of you know, halfway through the season, a lot of good stuff going on. You feel like you know, feel like there's eight teams or so in the mix. Mm-hmm. Let me see how this this falls out. What's Old Miss got coming up here? Old Miss is five and one. They lost to Alabama. Their schedule's Miss pretty. Win their next three until they play Georgia. Mm-hmm. Old Miss could be a ten and two team. So yeah, can Utah run the table here? Can uh, well, it starts by playing USC this week and beating them. So we'll see if that. You, I mean, Duke, uh, Duke's got Florida State this week, so that's. Well, and it, I like right now. Florida State's a fourteen-point favorite. Riley Leonard is not playing. Like that's the only reason this line is fourteen points right now. If Riley Leonard plays, that I give Duke a solid shot to beat them because Duke's got a great defense. And how high can Air Force get? Can they get to uh, keep climbing? To 10? Keep climbing. That's interesting. I'd love to see Air Force with their option be that team to play. You know. Who do they play? Texas. They play uh, Penn State, Ohio State. Who do they play in the bowl game? That would be great. Uh, you were spot on last week. Uh, game of the week: Oregon versus Washington. That you nailed it. Oh, almost perfect. You did pick UCLA over Oregon State as the upset of the week. Oregon State won that one. And the watch your ass game of the week was Arizona over Washington State, and Arizona pummeled the Cougs in Pullman, forty-four to six. Uh, what is your game of the week this week? Well, it'd have to be Penn State, Ohio State. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. It's if they had Ohio State, Ohio State, not impressive, not good. Mm-hmm. Don't like Penn State either, but I will be rooting for Penn State. As will I. We don't do. Yep. As but, I. Upset of the week. Upset of the week. Oh, let's see. I I admit, ah, I was a three and a half point favorite over the Gophers. That seems like stealing. And they just lost their tight end too. It was their leading receiver. Oh, well, this this three and that should be at least ten. Like, how is that? Like, how are the Gophers going to score more than ten? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Them and the scouts and what a, what a rock fight that was. <laughs> um, upset of the week. Army takes on LSU. That's an odd matchup. How's that figure out? I don't know. Um, there's going to be an upset. You never know what it's going to be. Let's see. There were a couple of, what were the good finishes? They had Houston and West Virginia on Friday. Yep. You had uh, Colorado State, Boise State Saturday. Yep, yep. Those were the uh, the two Hail Marys. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Nothing's sticking out. Um, How about this? Me, okay, uh, this is, you know. Okay. Uh, give me Illinois to beat Wisconsin, I guess. Okay. Um, Illinois is a two and a half point underdog. That's not much. Okay, and then your watch your ass game of the week. Texas 
Texas and Houston. Okay. Houston, a 23 and a half point underdog. Game is at Houston. Uh, let's go with that. I would pick just another upset potential here Auburn over Ole Miss. Yeah, look at that one. That's a potential. I, I, at this point, I think Utah beats USC. That, yeah, that's a. That's at home. USC is a six and a half point favorite. Mm-hmm. I don't think USC is beating anybody at this point. Okay, so you're take you want to switch Illinois over Wisconsin to Utah over yeah, USC? Give me something a little bit more important than Illinois and Wisconsin. Give me Utah over USC. All right, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, I I think there's another potential upset on the horizon here, and that's where College Game Day will be next week. Oh, boy. I think if South Dakota State wins, they're going to Vermilion. I really do. I don't see that's a top five FCS matchup. If you look at the schedule next week, the only like decent matchup is going to be Oregon and Utah. So, and you, if Utah loses to USC, I don't think that happens. So is it that Utah has to beat... Yes. USC for, for college game day to go? I would think so. Okay. Don't go to Georgia, Florida. I could see that being a cop-out. Um, yeah, there's nothing next. There's nothing. There's nothing next week out there. Right. So, why why and, not go to a top-five matchup in the FCS? You have the, na- the national champions. Yes, it's in the same state. Now, it sucks that it would be in Vermilion, but this is... Like the only legitimate game, I think the the only legitimate option if Utah doesn't beat USC, right? USD is six. That is. Well, I mean, it is. There's there's no reason, but then you 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 factor in the the in-state rivalry and what happened two years ago. Yeah, I would. You know, I don't think it's going to happen, but you know, it's 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 a. You know, if it's not number one, it should be number two or three on the list because I don't know where else, where else you would go. There's I think, just nothing out there next week. I you, think you if mean, SDSU wins Utah and Utah, Morgan, is it? Is it? Uh, if SDSU wins and Utah loses, it's a greater than sixty percent chance that they're in Vermilion. Yeah, probably. So, and so. You know, US, I mean, come on, how oh. are they six? You beat NDSU. Oh wait, NDSU lost. Oh wait, to USC. NDSU is not good anymore. No, it isn't. Like we, ne- we never go back and look at. Oh, you beat number two. Well, yeah. Well, what what are they now? What what are they right now? I don't even know. They can't be. Are they even in the top fifteen? Uh, oof, I don't know. Um, because then you get then you have to reevaluate. Uh, North Dakota State is number fourteen. Then you have to reevaluate and say, oh, they beat them, but then North Dakota did as well. You know, just for a hypothetical, let's say NDSU finishes 7-5. Well, it's like, well, then, yeah, you beat them, but, you know, when you beat a 7-5, you, you didn't beat number two. You beat number 22. Right. So, well, I mean, what pleasure it would be to go down there next week and just stomp them like SDSU's been stomping everybody. Yes. That's a game I am interested in. It is sold out since they have about five thousand seats to sell. So, oh, um, well, SDSU—that's going to be close to I think a sixty-forty split. USD will probably have more fans, but I mean, not a ton more. 
That would, I, I'm not interested in SDSU games. That would be one I would uh, I would uh, try and get into. That'd be that'd be great. Yeah, well, we'll see. That's a, that is a monster game. Now, granted, South Dakota State has to beat Southern Illinois this week. Southern Illinois is five and one, but they're not very impressive. Um, I think SDSU should beat them. Just don't look ahead, and I don't think Jimmy Rogers will let that happen because uh, they didn't against Illinois State. They whooped them, and that was ahead of the Hobo Day. They they exercised a lot of demons by beating Northern Iowa 41-6. Granted, Northern Iowa's not that good, but Northern Iowa hasn't been good in other years where SDSU has played them on Hobo Day, and they've curb-stomped them. Or not curb-stomped, but beaten them soundly. Um, good win. Very good win for the Jacks. They keep on rolling, and hopefully they will continue to do so. Um, so yeah, I just I think there's a... I think there's a greater than 50% chance right now that 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 College Game Day will be in Vermilion next week. Uh, and if SDSU wins and Utah loses, it climbs to over 60 for me. Do you think they are aware of that game right now? As we, as we sit here, five days away from them having to make a decision. I was disappointed uh, back all the way back in week two when Montana State and SDSU played they mentioned it right on like at the top of the the broadcast like oh games are like we're watching or you know headlines and whatever and they mentioned it but then when they did the they, there was nothing else on that game there was no they didn't have it in the picks uh which i thought you would so i say yes they're aware but is it more like oh that's cute usd and sdsu yada 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 um there's I think not it's, a single guy on that show that could name you a single player on SDSU. I bet Pat McAfee could. No. You don't think? I bet he could. Or a, or a single player in FCS, for that matter. You go to Kirk Herbstreit, say, Kirk Herbstreit, name me one FCS football player. I, if he could, he couldn't do more than two or three. Shadir Sanders. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, I, I agree. It should be, yes. It's a bad week. Bad week next week for uh, for high-profile matchups. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Um, ooh, we got NBA starting Colorado, with... Colorado, Colorado losing to Stanford. Oh, my God. Can we just... Oh, mwah, chef's kiss. Oh, I love it. Oh, just give me those tears of Colorado fans. Oh, oh, prime. And by the way... Saturday Night Live, spot-on imitation Keenan Thompson on of Deion Sanders. That was wonderful. And there I saw a post, some people don't like that. Next week, it's going to be Colorado and UCLA, maybe on uh, Saturday night on Fox, maybe. And Fox declined to put on Washington-Stanford. Well, it's like Washington-Stanford should be an absolute... Piss pounding, mm-hmm. and UCLA, Colorado might be good. Yeah. So, like, whatever about Colorado, I mean, they oh, their I games are entertaining. Well, I don't care. Everyone's talking about how great Colorado was, and you just lost to the worst team or the second worst team in the Pac-12. You're irrelevant yeah. to me now, as far as I'm concerned, and you are going to have a hard time, a hard time, getting to bowl eligibility now. You got to get to six, so I get a six and six team. So you know, there it's a bad loss. Oh, just you're up twenty nine to nothing at half. 
Yeah, inexcusable. And, oh, I mean, Travis Hunter had a great game ba- uh, coming back. You know, he had a uh, great job catching, uh, or you know, as a receiver. Not so great as a cornerback because he got destroyed by a big son of a gun from Stanford, who had uh, almost 300 yards receiving and three touchdowns, including yeah. a 97-yard touchdown reception. It's just, oh, oh, I love it. Oh, and then this is, we talk about the adversity that Dion is going to face there here at Colorado. Well, yeah, you you lose to Oregon, kind of expected. You lose to USC, those are two better teams than Colorado. You lose at home to Stanford, the second worst team in the Pac-12. It's at home, You it's the way you lose. How does he handle this adversity now moving forward? That's what I want to see. Hopefully they won't blow a 29-point lead. Yeah. To the second worst team in your conference. I, I, I never, I never see him talking to his headset. It's always headset is always. I don't even know if the goddamn thing's on. It's always microphone's always at the top of his head. We're yeah. we're undefeated this year, Crins. We're undefeated, except for that loss to Oregon. Yep, they're good. USC, yeah, they're good too. Stanford, mm, yep, great academic school. Just except for those things, yeah. Oh. That Saturday Night Live's get just no, awesome. Good. No, good. Awesome. Just awesome. I don't have a Colorado hat. I would like a Colorado yeah. hat. Yep, I think, I think that would be good. Did you know that Ralphie is a bison, not a buffalo? I don't know the difference between a bison and a buffalo. Apparently buffaloes are, uh, I learned this in the Dan Levitard show on Tuesday, that uh, their, their uh, species is in uh, like Africa and Asia. And that it's the bison that is native to North, North, yeah, to North America. So there you go, Ralphie's a bison. So what the hell are the Buffalo Bills? What is the, the Buffalo Bills? What are the Bills? Well, they would apparently be a bison. What is a bill? I don't know. Their mascot is the Bills. What yeah. are the Bills? Some sort of buffalo or bison. Bills. The buffalo is the buffalo. What is a buffalo bill? Jim Kelly. A, a buffalo bill, the actual person. Is that is that who it is? Are they named after a person? Well, I would hope that that wouldn't be the case if their logo is a, is a buffalo or a, a bison. They don't have like a, a guy with a gun on the sidelines. The team name, apparently the team name does come from Buffalo Bill Coyote. Oh, very good. Wow. I did not know that. I did didn't either. It certainly is not a Buffalo. Their logo is a Buffalo. That's the name of their city. Mm-hmm. Buffalo Bill. What is a Bill? Not a Buffalo. Who knew? Who knew indeed? Uh, anything else we need to get to before we say so long for the week? Marcus and I were looking at NFL divisions in the late 60s before the merger happened. Okay. And there was a three about a three-year stretch there from like 66 to 69 or, or so where things didn't make a whole lot of sense. Okay. Where this is pre-merger NFL at 16 teams. You had the central division of the current NFC North with the current NFC North teams. Mm-hmm. You had, uh, for some reason, all the divisions were started with the letter C. Huh, okay. You had, you had the capital division with Dallas, Philadelphia, Washington, 
And New Orleans, you had something called the Century Division with Cleveland, the Steelers, the New York Jets, and the St. Louis Cardinals. Okay, that makes a little more sense, I guess. And then, stacking, you had something. Okay. <laughs> 1967, 68, 69, or so. You had something in the NFL called the Coastal Division. Oh, boy, I'm guessing not all these teams were on the coast. They were, but they're on opposite coasts. So oh, okay. About the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and this conference, and there's teams in California and New Jersey. There, This is 1967 NFL. Wow, okay. You got the goddamn LA Rams and the Baltimore Colts in the same division. <laughs> Along with San Francisco and Atlanta. All four of those teams were in the same goddamn division. Well, okay. The NFC West for a while was San Francisco. The Falcons. Was, yeah, the Falcons and the Panthers were in it and the Saints. And then... Um, the NFC East had the Cardinals in it. it. It's bad. It's bad. And then when you, know, you had the AF, AFL, mm-hmm. and then when you added Seattle and Tampa Bay in the late 70s, mm-hmm. uh, Tampa Bay's first year was in the AFC, and then Seattle was in the NFC, and then the next year they switched them for some reason. I don't know if it was for competitive balancing to where, okay, this year the AFC is going to get a chat. I don't know why you would have two expansion teams, put them in one conference, then the very next year you switch them conferences. Mm-hmm. I think you put them, and, and they put Tampa Bay in the West. Yeah. Like, doesn't make sense. No. And then I they mean, moved into the Central it, because nothing says Central like Tampa Bay. I guess Tampa is in Central Florida, so maybe that's the only thing. And those things are easily... Correctable, you look at, okay, what teams don't make sense where? Well, this team should go, I mean, Arizona Cardinals should go to the West, and the Atlanta Falcons should have been in the East. That's mm-hmm. an easy swap geographically. Yep. So I don't know what was going on. Like, the AFC is fine. You look at the AFC, all that makes sense? All right. You look at the NFC, there's a couple, so like Tampa Bay in the Central? No. Uh, the Cardinals... No. Dallas in the East? No. No, I mean, there's a lot of things that don't make a whole lot of sense. So, yeah. Well, it's kind of like, you know, the NBA, Oklahoma City is still in the Northwest Division, so they need to either change the name of the division or they need to... Well, yeah, that was when they were in Seattle, but now they are not. They're in Oklahoma City, so they need to change that. Yeah. So, some interesting things that... You find things every once in a while. It's like, really? Mm-hmm. The Coastal Division, Rams, Colts, 49ers, Falcons. Uh, Mitchell, you got any games, uh, football or volleyball or anything like that this week? At the season finale of football, they're 1-7. They take on Brookings, who is also 1-7. I think Mitchell's going to end the season on a win. Does that mean they get into the playoffs? They do not. They had to win last week. Mm-hmm against Huron, and the rain had stopped for the most part, but it was still misting, mm-hmm. a light shower, and it was a little, you know, not quite as windy as it, as it was the day before. 
Um, scoreboard didn't work, so that was, you know, no time, no score, no downs and yards. So that was an interesting way to to call a game. Yeah. So I was inside, the other guys were outside, so that's that's good for me, I guess. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Didn't have to do the, uh, didn't have to weather the elements. No. So, yeah, season finale of that, we got a couple more volleyball games to go. Area football playoff starts Thursday. So we'll probably, uh, I'll probably have to go to Platt next week, which is about an hour south. Yeah. So. Could be worse, I suppose. It's probably what's on the uh, agenda for next week. All right, very good. Well, good luck with those uh, that final game here this week. Uh, hopefully they get a win over Brookings, and uh, we'll look forward to the area uh, coverage next week and see what else is going on in the world of sports. We'll talk to you next week, my friend. All right, we'll see you later. Travis Crins joined me here, as always. Uh, appreciate his time and lots to talk about there football-wise. Uh, we got the NBA starting up here in a little bit. Divisions. This is just crazy divisions. Here way back when, but the baseball playoffs, uh, good season to the Minnesota Twins, uh, Minnesota Vikings. What, what are we doing here? No idea. No idea. Uh, but we will continue with some college football talk. Uh, more on what I think is the, was the best game, certainly of the week, and maybe of the year, Washington and Oregon. We'll talk about that with Charlie Hildebrand and get his thoughts on that next and so much more. And that's all coming up here on this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. You can find us on podcast.com or archive.org. Search the Sports Block on, uh, uh, also on iTunes. Follow me on Twitter at NDStacken. Travis Crins on Twitter at Travis Crins. Facebook, Nathan Stacken. A link to the podcast post in the middle to later part of each week. And that was also nice of Noah to join us here for a zoology lesson. Appreciate that. Uh, So, coming up next, though, more college football talk with Charlie Hildebrand. That comes up next here on this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast, available on podcast.com and on iTunes. We continue here on this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Time to talk college football. Who better to do that with than my good friend from the Northwest Iowa Review, a resident college football expert, Charlie Hildebrand. Charlie, how are we doing? I'm good. I'm quite good. I'm doing, you know, much better than uh, Miami has the past two weeks in college football with their precipitous fall. I would, I would or, you know, some of the other teams that have done, or especially better than Colorado post-halftime I was against just, Stanford. I was going to say that, especially better than North Dakota State. I mean, there's a whole host yeah. of teams you could... Uh, you could talk about here. Let's start... I mean, any day you're not a North Dakota State person is a good day. Well, it is. It is. And uh, they seem to be falling on hard times, though. The sky's not falling for them quite yet. They do get Indiana State and Murray State coming up here the next two weeks. So, or Western Illinois. Regardless, I know they have two of the three worst teams uh, coming up here um, the next two weeks before the Dakota Marker game. So, let's hold off maybe on the, on the, the death of the Bison, at least temporarily. And hopefully the the Jacks will beat him. But we'll we'll talk some SDSU here in a minute because we do have, uh, it was Hobo Day and whatnot. But we are going to begin in the Pac-12 because that was the conference that was highlighted this last week. Numerous teams in big games. But before we get to all of that, let's... Let's go back to Friday night. You you just mentioned Colorado having a 29-0 lead at halftime against Stanford. And then 
just completely falling apart in the second half. There was a tremendous catch by one of the Stanford wide receivers. Who I think, I mean, he had himself a day, like three touchdowns. It was incredible. Stanford. He apparently entered the game with like 150 receiving yards on the season and had like over, I don't know, high 100s or low 200s against Colorado. So. Yeah, I'm, I am pulling up his uh, the, his stats in the game right now. I mean, you you should do that against Colorado. Like if you have a, if you're having a down day. Just play Colorado's defense or USC's defense for that matter. The um, crazy thing, though, is that I mean, I should say I didn't see this game. You know, I uh, we had high school sports to cover, so I didn't see a second of it live. But my understanding is that he was matched up against Travis Hunter most yes. of the game. Where you would be like, oh well, if there's anyone, Colorado's going to slow down. It's whoever our best cover guy and one of the most athletic guys. In, the country is guarding and it just didn't work now and to be fair some of that could be it was his first game back from injury they played a both offense and defense i think i saw you had like 157 snaps he played oh, probably which just sounds exhausting 13 but yeah 13 receptions 140 yards and two touchdowns for hunter um and that was on offense, not you know, not factoring the defense. But he's going against Ion Ionmanner, Ionmanar, Eric Ionmanar, Elik Ionmanar. I don't. I apologize, Elik, uh, for mispronouncing your name. But you had yourself a day. Uh, Thirteen catches, two hundred ninety-four yards, and three touchdowns, including like a ninety-five-yard touchdown in the third quarter that really started to. Um, that that was the one that made it like twenty nine to fourteen or yes, something like that. Twenty nine twelve. Yep, it was a ninety seven yard touchdown, and yeah, that was when. And then he caught a sixty yard touchdown like two less than two minutes later uh, on game clock. I mean, it's just sensational. I know so you may know this, and I, I don't know if all the uh, millions and millions of listeners do. Mm-hmm. Sports gambling is legal in Iowa, so there are. So I mean, I do not partake myself, but. I know that there are some people in our office that do on occasions. There was someone who I remember saying when it was either 29 to nothing or 29-6, something like that. It was like, oh, man, I took Stanford, like, plus six or plus eight or whatever. There's no way that's going to pay off. And then we all just got busy with other work stuff and forgot about it. And at some point, at the, you know, I don't know, 1.30 in the morning or whatever, central time, I was just like, oh, hey, did you know that Stanford came back and won? And he was just like, what? <laughs> and it's very much one of those, that if you were not following along, which I wasn't that closely because I was, you know, busy writing high school stories. He's like, oh, well, this is over. And you're like, wait, what? Something crazy happened, apparently. It was. It was absolutely crazy. And this is a very bad loss for Colorado. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I, if like, they win this game, there's a good chance they go to a bowl game. Yep. And they still could, but it's like, oh, actually, this went from we're going to a bowl game most likely to like, yeah, I don't know. This is this is going to be tough now. Stanford, to Stanford is perhaps the worst team in the Pac-12 this year. Cal and Stanford, you know, either or. It Arizona wasn't State. They, they lost to, I don't have it off the top of my head, but like to Sacramento State. Like two or three weeks or something. Yes, there was somebody yes. bad yep, it was Sacramento they State because to. Sac State's head coach uh, now is the Stanford head coach. So yeah, um, yeah, Stanford lost there. Like this is not a good loss at all whatsoever. Stanford's a terrible team, and Dion was taking it hard after the game. Like you know, I'm kind of just at a loss or whatever. Like this is the type of game that we now wanted to see. Like how. 
Because I, you know, U.S. losing to USC and Oregon, yeah, it's those are two really it's good teams. Expected. Yes, but now that you lose to Stanford and the way that you lose it, I want to see how Colorado responds here now. And don't get me wrong, I'm I'm kind of gleeful that uh, that he lost because I'm I'm kind of tired of the whole Colorado story and how Dion has like handled himself and whatnot. It's just not my style. Or whatever, but you take a look now. They are, uh, they have a bye this week, which is probably fortunate for them, or maybe yeah, not. If there was ever a time, you would think now would be the time to be like, all right, we're going to get away from things and get back to the grindstone. Right. But so you're at UCLA October 28th. Then you're home against Oregon State. Oregon State's very good. That's going to be a tough game. Home against Arizona. Well, Arizona. I mean, UCLA's going to be tough too. Yes. Yep. Yes, they will. Home against Arizona. Well, Arizona just went up to uh, Pullman and whooped uh, Cam Ward and Washington State. So that's no longer easy. Then you're at Washington State. Yeah, Washington State maybe is falling back a little bit, but that's still going to be tough. And then at Utah. So it's not... I mean, on paper, I think Arizona's their easiest game. And definitely you're not like, oh, yeah, we'll definitely see them beat Arizona. Like, I mean, they could. But they could also lose by three touchdowns to Arizona. I think it's going I think to be- it's just as likely that it's going to be a coin flip game that we're like, well, Colorado's in overtime again. Oh, I guess Dion's taking the ball first. We'll see if this works out. I think it really comes down to a three-week stretch in November, November 4th, 11th, and 17th. They have to go 2-1 and one in that three-game stretch because I don't think they're beating UCLA or Utah on the road. They just aren't. So, like, that three-game stretch, again, is home against... Oregon State home against Arizona at Washington State. You gotta go two and one in that three game stretch. Agree. Yeah, because they, they have four wins now, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I, I agree. You gotta fight. I mean, if you get lucky and you can sneak another one earlier than that, great. But I don't expect that to happen. No. Also, I I, I, and I didn't come up with this myself. I don't remember where I heard this, but thought it was kind of funny and quite appropriate. Colorado has played six games under Deion Sanders, and they have basically squeezed ten years of white of like insane games into just the first six. Where it's like, oh my god, we upset the defending runners up, mm-hmm. you know, in TCU to start the year. Oh my god, that's crazy. And then like, oh, we played an overhyped Nebraska team and blew them off the field. Wow, that's crazy. And then like, oh my god, we almost beat USC. What a crazy game. Well, wow, we went to overtime with rival Colorado and just like all the way that things have gone for them. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, I just, I, I'm sure there are other examples, but I can't think of one of a team that just had so many weird games all well, just in one season. Just think of like the Colorado State game with, the, you know, Travis Hunter getting injured and that game going to that was an overtime game or they won late yeah. because yeah that was the one they won in overtime yep. uh, yeah they, they've been in a lot of crazy games did you see the snl skit uh involving i did Dan? it was so With, good uh, yeah Keenan Keenan Thompson. Yep. doing the yeah oh i i saw it at some point on sunday morning i think it was before i went on my uh i gotta get my 10k steps and walk in the morning mm-hmm. and uh was like, oh, what's this? And then, because yeah, I think I saw it on Twitter, mm-hmm. and just like, oh, this is funny. Let me rewind this ten seconds and just see. And just and yes, laughed many, many times at that. I mean, it's just it's spot on. And I mean, Dion gets like if you want if you want all this attention stuff, you're going to have to deal with 
you know, the SNL's kind of making fun of you when things kind of go off the rails, and you're going to have to deal with all that criticism. Uh, and I'm sure Dion will handle it uh, with the grace that we come to expect from Prime. But, uh, yeah, it was really funny. Staying in the Pac-12, though, I was so hyped last week. I told you about this when, when you came on about Washington and Oregon, about this maybe could be the game of the year. Just so pumped for it. And honestly... I don't know if it quite is the game of the year, but it is certainly among no, them. I was going to say, I thought it even surpassed what you thought it was okay. going to be. I thought you would have said it was absolutely the best game of the season. Well, so I, I, like Stanford, Colorado was good, but, it, you know, it, it like that game, it just the, well, I mean, the swings and stuff. Still. The There's magnet, not a lot of the, stakes with that game. Right. The, it's the stakes, I think, that, that, that certainly make this – as of now until Washington and then Texas and Oklahoma, I think have been the two best games of like, Hey, this is a big game. And there've been other ones that are good too. I think those are the two best. And we'll see Oklahoma and Texas more chaotic. Yes. Which is unsurprising. And I think Oregon and Washington just more like, Hey, we're skipping like your parents being like, you know what? We're skipping dinner, and we're just gonna have dessert tonight. There you go. Like that's, I feel like that was more of Oregon and Washington, like not in a bad way. Yeah. Oh I'm yeah. Just like, oh hey, guess what? At the end here, we're just gonna crank this up to like twelve on a scale of one to ten for just how and how weird we're gonna get. And we'll see if this uh, if this lasts as the game of the year because we do have Penn State at Ohio State this week. Now I doubt that that gets that rises to the level of Washington and Oregon, but. You know, because of how highly ranked both those two teams are, it certainly could. But this Washington-Oregon game was just fantastic. Uh, they they traded blows back and forth. Michael Penix Jr. was fantastic. Or as, uh, was it Desmond Howard or Pat McAfee on College Game Day said, like Michael Penis Energy or something like that. I think he tried to say Penix Energy, but it sounded a little bit like penis. We're not, uh, you know, don't condone that sort of uh, potty mouth talk. I mean, whatever he played with, it certainly worked. It, it did. You had Oregon uh, going for it a couple of different times, including uh, on fourth down where they could have easily kicked field goals. And ultimately a difference. Head coach Dan Lanning accepted responsibility for that and that aggressive nature. But this was just a whale of a game. And I, I was so high on Washington coming into the year, and I really wish I had picked them for the college football playoff and not USC. We'll get to that in a second. But I left this game and just the the and the all the aftermath of it. And it's like, you know what? Both of these teams are still college football playoff level teams like there's a chance you could see one if not both in there certainly things have to play out that way but both of these teams are certainly college football playoff caliber teams as far as i'm concerned and i don't think there's oh, any debate absolutely in the they both looked great i mean i the second the game was over the first thing i thought and again i realized that we'll see how things play out a lot of times you think something's going to happen in october in college football or it doesn't play out that way but the first thing I thought when it was over was like, that's great. I can't wait to watch him play in a rematch in the Pac-12 title game in a month and a half mm-hmm. or whatever. Yep. That was like literally the first thing after the Oregon guy missed the field goal at the end. And uh, and we hope we'll get it because you never know what – like Utah is going to be that sneaky team that can – that can get in there if Cam Rising ever comes back. I mean, they're they're playing great defense. What I saw, they've allowed seventy three points or something thus far this year. I mean, it's it's crazy low how how they've done. And 
you know, I think now everyone's kind of jumping off US, the USC bandwagon, and rightfully so, after what Notre Dame did to them, just dismantling them, and Caleb Williams looking mortal and pedestrian, and they still have to go into the heart of their Pac-12 schedule with the likes of Oregon and Utah and Washington. I, I don't see how USC, given their defensive issues right now, I don't see how they can get through this Pac-12 gauntlet undefeated. I just don't. Uh, do you feel the same way? I don't think they will either. I mean, we can get to it in a bit talking about USC and Notre Dame. There's a couple other Oregon and Washington things I want to talk yeah, about yep. too. But, yep. but actually, I didn't think USC's defense played that bad against Notre Dame. It was much more their offense's fault because they, what, they had five turnovers and gave up two uh, either kickoff or punt return touchdowns, which, you know, when you just see the final score, you think like, oh, wow, well, that was the defense. And, I mean, I'm not saying USC's defense played like lights out, but I thought they played their best game of the year, and it was just a long time because the offense and special teams completely fell apart from USC. And you look at Washington's schedule starting in November, like these next two games at home against Arizona State, please do not have a letdown, Washington. Please do not have a letdown against Arizona is, State or is at Is it Stanford. at Arizona State? No, it's at, it's in Seattle. It's at, okay. it's at home. I'm, but I'm then, less worried about it. Then. Yeah. I mean, I can see him struggling for a half coming off yep. a game like that, but I think they won't have a problem. I would be more worried. Turn the Jets on at some point, right. but yeah. I would be more worried if they had to play Stanford this week. They have to play them in two weeks. That's in Palo Alto there at Stanford, but I think they'll win that. And then the big game comes up at USC. Like, that's a big And then they get Utah at home, and then at Oregon State, and then home to Washington State to end the year. That is their November. That's Washington's November. Like That is an insane end to the year. So they can solidify themselves. And that's why I think this, that's why I, I said last week, I think that this is a bigger game for Washington, just given their November slate that they have, than Oregon. And Oregon's is difficult too, don't get me wrong. I mean, they have to go to Utah here in a couple of weeks. That's going to be really difficult. Utah always plays Oregon tough, but this is a new coaching staff and whatnot, so we, we have to take that you know differently. But then they get USC at home. They are at Arizona State. They get Oregon State at home. So two of their three toughest remaining games are at home, again, with Utah. So I think if they can get through U that Utah game, which I think they they will, based on what we saw in this game, like especially if Cam Rising doesn't play. Oregon's schedule is so much easier that they should be able to get through it, I would say, with that, with only one loss, hopefully, and that one loss being to Washington. But they I'm just saying they had a they have a far easier time, I would think, going through the remainder of their schedule undefeated than Washington, which is why I thought this game was so much more pivotal for Washington to play. And they looked fantastic. I would agree with everything you just said. There's two points I want to make about Washington and Oregon. I will ask which you want first. Do you want the Styles make fights, or do we want to talk about the Dan Lanning fourth down decision? Let's talk the Dan Lanning uh, decision first. Okay, so I know, and I mean, you mentioned it some, but twice. Uh, yeah, I guess at the end of the first half, I don't remember if it was fourth down or not, but I did, it ended up being the last play of the half, I remember. Mm -hmm. I think it was fourth down, but had a chance to kick a field goal. I think they were down four. 22 to 18, yep. 
yeah, and then decided not to go for it. We're going to be aggressive. Didn't take the field goal, which, I mean, there's no guarantee you would have made, but seems like a much more likely three points. Was trying to be aggressive. I don't know if I love that call. I don't hate it necessarily, especially in a game like that where you're on the road. I could be talking to it. I will say the one in the fourth quarter, some people don't like. I think it depends who you are, who you're playing, the situation. In the situation Oregon was in, I had zero thoughts with them going for it on fourth and two there. Just being like, if we get this, the game's over and we win. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if we don't get it, I mean, they scored in two plays anyway, so it ended up working in some ways because it gave them a chance to get the ball back and still go down. I mean, they missed the field goal at the end, but it was, I mean, I don't want to say it was an easy field goal, but it was a makeable field goal. But I just feel, I mean, even if if they punt it and you get the best-case scenario, which is, you know, like, hey, we downed this at the five, like, sure, you could get a stop. I don't think they were probably going to get a stop, though. I think that he knew... Penix playing at home, Washington in the spot they were, that it was going to be really difficult to stop them when they're not punting on third down, mm-hmm. when they're going forward on any fourth down. So if you want to play the game of, like, decisions only count if they end up working after the fact, I suppose you could say then maybe no, but, well, and then, what? but... But also at the same time, I think it's worth noting that 15 years ago, people would have gone absolutely nuts about it. Yes. And I think there was some discourse in, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter which is right or not. But I think it is interesting that we've come this far with how we look at offensive things that instead of being like, oh my God, why did you do that? That was the dumbest thing ever. But there were some people that said that. But 15 years ago, it would have been like 80 or 90% of people as opposed to, uh, I don't know, somewhere between like 40 and 60 now. Well, I think analytics t- dictate a lot of the the reason for it. Like, I, I, just going back to baseball a couple weeks ago, Toronto was playing Minnesota in the wild card series. And they t- uh, Toronto's manager took out Jose Barrios after three, three plus innings, 47 pitches, because that's what analytics said. To do, and it was just dumb because you have to have a feel for the game. And I think coaches now a lot. I I just feel like sometimes you don't you don't do the smartest thing that you should, which is sometimes be conservative, get the like take the points you want to go for that home run hit because that's what the numbers tell you, that's what analytics tell you. And as we see, it doesn't often, or sometimes it doesn't work out. And oftentimes those. Times where you don't get it are the ones that come back to bite you the most where, and I guess, you know, that's playing, what, Sunday morning quarterback or whatever. But, yeah, hindsight being twenty twenty. Right. But at the same time, I would always be like, I guess if I were a coach, I would be far more conservative than aggressive, and maybe that would come back to bite me a few times. But if I had a sure thing and I could get those points, I would take the points. So I've said that I'm 50-50. I don't know where I stand on that. You should have taken the field ball at the end of the half. I'm 100% in that situation. I completely get it and agree that he probably should have gone for it in the fourth down one late in the game. What are your two thoughts on those? Because you've talked about it, yep. but I don't know if you've come out and said, if you're yep. like, do you agree with either or both of those or no? I would have taken the field goal at the end of the first half. Um. Did you watch any of the Buffalo Giants game Sunday night at all? I saw most of the second half. 
I saw okay. the end of it. I saw. I think I saw a little bit of the second, the first half. So, I do know that basically, kind of like Oregon, the Giants were like, "Hey, guess what? We got the ball at the end of the half, and they did not score off their job." Right. They ran it with 14 seconds left, had no time left, and couldn't spike it to get a field goal and stuff like that's where. That that's poor. That's poor game management by Tyrod Taylor there, because you have to, you have to either throw it or you just need to take the points, uh, get up nine nothing at half. Like that's you, you can't. You have to get points there at the end of the half, and I think that with Oregon here, because it's only a four point game, I guess I understand. Like okay, it, it's you know. Big deal if we don't get it. We're still only down by four. It's not like, but I guess I would, I would take the points. I would take the points there at the end of the first half because you're going into half that Washington's not going to get the ball back. The fourth quarter one, I'm 50-50 on because as you mentioned, if they get it, they likely win the game. So like, it, yeah, if I remember right, Washington was on a timeout, so there yep. were two minutes, two fifteen, something like enough yep. that they. As long as they didn't pull a Mario Cristobal, I would have been like, well, <laughs> yes, we can take these in this game. So, yeah. So I, I, I get that a little bit more, but at the same time, it's like, oh, you get a field goal, you get those points. At, at worst, Washington's going to tie you, and you might have a chance to win it at the end. But I can, I, I, I think I have far more of a, an understanding, or I am far more okay with the fourth down, dis, or the, the fourth quarter decision than I am at the end of the half. And then the only other thing I was going to say about the game is it was one of the things I love with big matchups like that, especially in college football, is when they, they don't do the same things. I mean, they're both teams that, you know, have athletes they want to get in space. I mean, I don't know if we can say spread offense. Spread mm-hmm. offense has shifted into too many things. But Oregon, more so than Washington, wants to be like, hey, guess what? There's a lot of things we want to do, but we do want to be able to run the ball and control the clock. And there were large stretches of the game where they controlled the game by doing that. Mm-hmm. And Washington more so is like, no, we want to stretch the field vertically, horizontally. We want to throw it a lot and get Penix the ball to distribute it however he sees fit. And there were also many instances in the, day, in the game where Washington was in control doing that. And I think that, you know, college football is more chaotic than the NFL. Yes. And there are times that happens, but I, you know, I'm sure if I sat down and tried to write out every great game I could think of, I could come up with more examples. But I can't think of a ton off the top of my head where both teams basically were like, the large stretches of the game, we did what we wanted on offense and played at a high level, and then it also had you know a close game and a great finish too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying it's the Texas USC Rose Bowl. I wouldn't go that far. Sure. Yep. But that's like the highest example of that I can think of. Both teams are like, we're doing what we want to do on offense. Oh, for and sure. it's also different. That's what makes it fun. It's well, not, you know, both teams are running the 1999 New York Giants offense. Right. Well, and yeah. I love the back and forth nature that this game had because Oregon is trailing by 11 in the second half, and you could kind of feel like, oh boy. Is, is this where the wheels come off and Washington wins in a blowout? And then Oregon comes back and, it t- and takes the lead. So their defense made plays to, to stop Washington's offense. Like, it's just a great cat and, and mouse That's the game. other thing, too. I didn't mention that. Is it's not just the offense. It's just that the defense has made plays, too. Yes. Oregon yep. got that stop on fourth and goal with 
I don't remember how much time, you know, five minutes left or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think like a lot of people, I was like, well, it's not over over, but I feel like that's the play of the game that Oregon's going to win now. And, that's and a- then after that, there were like four different times I changed my mind. And I was like, actually, I think this team's going to win now. <laughs> right. But again, that's why I think regarding that fourth, like going forward on fourth down, I'm more 50-50 on that fourth quarter one than I am for sure. Like at the end of the first half, I'm taking the points. With the second or with the fourth quarter decision there, yes, I could take the points. It'd be a seven-point game. Like you're going to tie a worst-case scenario. We're going to overtime. Best-case scenario, we we convert here. We win the game. But there, again, it's, it's just decisions that come down. I think sometimes coaches overthink it. I really do. Um, another pack, staying in the Pac-12, we had another uh, big game at night. This was in Notre Dame this time. Unfortunately, playoff implications weren't for both teams. It was just for uh, USC and USC shit the bed. Something not well for USC. No, shit the bed something fierce. And you you the mentioned game I think we've ever seen Caleb Williams. Play. Yes, I mean three interceptions, just awful. I don't know what the more stunning part of this was because you mentioned that USC's defense wasn't atrocious against Notre Dame, and and the numbers bear that out because Notre Dame was only three of ten on third down, and you know they they didn't have that many yards, but they were set up with so many short fields that yeah USC like, yeah that's the funny thing is that if I would have told you ahead of time the final score mm-hmm. you would think. Oh well, clearly USC's defense just just garbage, and it's actually like oh, actually the USC defense, we, our offense, we think so highly of, actually just routinely screwed over the defense left and right. Well, and but some of that too is like because Notre Dame had the short fields, there's no guarantee that they wouldn't have been able to drive it 70 or 80 yards for a touchdown. You know, like, oh, USC's defense did so good only giving up 40 or 50 yards on this drive. Well, that's because that's all they had to work with, you know, because of the short fields that Notre Dame had. Uh, Notre Dame gets... True, but I think any defense, if you're like, hey, guess what? Our special teams are going to give up two touchdowns and our offense is going to have five turnovers. Yes. They would tell you before the game, like, oh, no, this is going to get really bad and really ugly no matter what we do. Oh, no, no, and I I totally get that, and and I'm not trying to... I'm just saying that we don't... Like, yes, USC's defense played better, but, I mean, it's a result of the short field that Notre Dame was able to score as many points as they did. Uh, so what was the most stunning part about this? Is it that USC looked like, is it that Notre Dame played as great defensively as they did or that USC's offense looked as bad as they did? And I, it can be a combination. So you could absolutely, that is an acceptable answer here. I think it's a combination, but I won't just say that. I'll give you, I think, I think it was more than USC did bad stuff and maybe that's me not being fair to Notre Dame's defense but I just remember early in the game there was a play where USC ended up scoring on that you know didn't get or Notre Dame had a solid pass rush Williams had to evade a couple of guys and it was like rolling out to his left throwing across his body to an open receiver for a touchdown and I just remember watching that and thinking like wow that's a Heisman throw right there. I mean, even regardless of the fact that he won the Heisman last year and may or may not win it this year, like, that's a Heisman play. Mm-hmm. And then basically it just was like after that, it was like, oh, nope, no more, no more magic. 
that was the, you know, mm-hmm. actually, I'm going to change my mind midway through saying that. I am going to credit Notre Dame's defense because they're the ones that did it. Coming off a bad game against Louisville, mm-hmm. they regrouped, and the best quarterback they're going to see all season, mm-hmm. I mean, depending on who they play in a bowl game, I guess, that they basically gave him the worst game. He's, I mean, I don't know enough about Caleb Williams to know if he had a game that bad in middle school or something, but we've never seen a, in a big stage like that, it, like that. It, right. No, I, I agree. I wonder, is this a blueprint that a team, that teams like Utah, Oregon, Washington, that they can use against Caleb Williams and USC now? I get that USC is going to make adjustments, but again, just given the gauntlet that USC has, I mean, they get Utah this week, so it's not like they get to you know lick their wounds or whatever. They have a great Utah team, at least great defensively, coming in. This is not going to be an easy game. Now, granted, it's at least at the Coliseum, and it's not in Utah. Because if it were in Salt Lake, I would already give USC an L because they are just not going to go in to Salt Lake City and win that game at Utah. They just aren't. They are six-and-a-half-point favorites against Utah. I get that that's probably more because Utah doesn't have a great offense. But... You got a great defense with Utah. Is there anything that Utah can maybe take from Notre Dame and just adjust it to their style of play that uh, we might see Caleb Williams have another subpar game? I mean, I think it's possible. It's worth noting that I think other than Oregon, Notre Dame's going to have more talent across the board on defense than anyone else that USC is going to play the rest of the year. The upside for Utah is I think Utah, I mean, in probably could I think defensive line wise there's stuff they could do that if they can you know, and USC's offensive line looked really bad against Notre Dame because I think maybe just they aren't that great this year and if that's the case I think that would be your path to success if you're Utah we need our defensive line to play really well and hopefully they can harass Caleb Williams but I don't know that anyone from Utah in the back seven is going to have as much talent as Notre Dame. So, like, long story short, I think that there's things they can certainly take from it. I don't know if it's going to be easily replicable for teams that probably don't have quite as much talent, but they're they're certainly going to try. I mean, I don't think there would be any reason not to. I just think... I just think Utah's offense right now is so... I'm not going to say bad. It's pedestrian. It doesn't, there's no explosiveness to it. They have a lot of trouble scoring. I don't see, unless Cam Rising plays in this game, and you know, we don't really know when Cam Rising's coming back or if he's going to be coming back this year. I don't see how Utah's going to be able to keep pace with USC unless they turn Caleb Williams over five or six times. Yeah, if USC gets to like twenty-eight points, I don't think Utah can do a whole lot about yes. that. They've got to, yeah. they've got to win in Iowa, Wisconsin. I mean, it maybe doesn't have to be quite that low, but they have but to they keep them under twenty-four on Iowa's game plan to success. They have to keep them under twenty-four, and I get that Utah will probably score more points than what they've averaged this year. I they, they put thirty-four up on Cal last week. That was in Utah. I don't think they're going to do that. 
they have to this has to be a game where it's like 24 to 20 for Utah to win and that I think would be high scoring from Utah's standards I would agree with that I, I think yeah I, that that is the recipe for success for but USC, I mean, this is still not a gimme for them, just given what transpired in Notre Dame. And again, this USC team does not appear, there appear to be flaws there. We knew it defensively, but now all of a sudden there are question marks surrounding Caleb Williams. And now apparently there's more of a debate now about, is he going to be the number one quarterback taken off? Or is it going to be Drake May? Because all of a sudden, as we transition here, to from did you have any other thoughts on USC Notre Dame quick? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, so I'm trying to segue here between uh, from USC to UNC between Caleb Williams to Drake May because Drake May apparently now is getting talked up a lot as the best quarterback in this upcoming draft class. He gets Tez uh, Walker back and he just absolutely lights it up against Miami. It was not a great first half for UNC. They're going in at half trailing 17-14. And all of a sudden, second half, the floodgates open up offensively, especially in the third quarter. They score 21 points. Uh, I mean, Tez Walker was just unreal with those two touchdowns in the first, in the in the third quarter. He had three in the game overall. I mean, he just adds such a different or another dimension to this offense glad the ncaa reversed that decision because yeah. it was absolutely yeah, you see why north carolina wanted him to play so fast right well he had, he said like he had the whole state back like backing him up here i don't know if there were pockets in raleigh or durham or winston-salem or like eh, maybe yeah we probably shouldn't he shouldn't play but if essentially the whole state was backing him, it's like, okay, yeah, the NCAA, in a world of dumb decisions, this is among the dumbest uh, that you would not allow him to play. And then you have Hampton, who, uh, O'Marion Hampton, who ran really well. All of a sudden now, like, we thought maybe Florida State was going to breeze through the ACC. It's like, okay, UNC is here, and I would say that maybe Walker maybe makes them a had better than Florida State. Is that crazy to say? I mean, it's possible. I'm definitely much more interested in that game now than I was two weeks ago, and it's not like I wasn't interested two weeks ago. And you have, and they have the big game with Duke coming up here November 11th. All like we talk about, always about like Duke Carolina. That's that's college basketball royalty. I don't know, right. but I would assume this would be the biggest Duke Carolina football game ever. Oh. I don't remember. I'm not saying it yeah, hasn't I happened. I don't remember yeah. one where they both been liked, though. I agree. And just given how like Clemson and NC State look at the to end the year, I get those that those are both on the road, but I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't say UNC should fear that. I mean, they just look outstanding right now. Uh, defense has played a lot better. I would say that this Miami-UNC game, th- this said more about UNC to me than what it said about Miami's response after that devastating loss to Georgia Tech a week ago. I think I would agree with that. That uh, North Carolina played their A game. I don't know if Miami did or not, but North Carolina's A game, or B-plus game at least, looked really, really, really A game good. in the second half, maybe a C-plus in the, in the, in the first half. But the point being that, that North Carolina's best definitely looks better than Miami's yes. best. Yes. 
Yeah, I, I just, I, we, we talked, and the ACC has a lot of good things going for it. Up until Miami loses to Georgia Tech, and it's like, okay, well, we can't take Miami seriously anymore. Oh, Louisville just beat Notre Dame. How great. Oh, they're going to play Pitt? Pitt sucks this year. Oh, Pitt just annihilates them. Great. So no no Louisville here. So all of a sudden now, uh, you know, with Clemson not doing not, not being so great, uh, the NC State not very good, you're, you're dwindling down to the teams now that, like, are legitimate hopes. Like there wasn't too long ago where what it's the, the ACC had six teams that had, that were four and oh, and now we have three, uh, two teams that remain undefeated. That being Florida state and North Carolina Duke gets to play both of them. And hopefully Riley Leonard will be back for both of those games. Uh, I think does, does Duke and uh, Florida state play this week or is that next week? Um, I don't remember. I don't let, let me look here. In front of me right now. All right. I know it's soon. I just I don't remember if it's this week or next week. I, uh, let's see here. Where do we have it? I think it's October 28th. Here, Nope, it is this week. Oh, boy, that is a massive game in Tallahassee. Uh, Florida State right now is a 14-point favorite, so I would assume that that betting line is on Riley Leonard not playing. For Duke, if he does though, that's big. But we, I mean, if he doesn't, then Duke's chances yeah. are not good. Yep. But then it comes down. Then after that, like now, I don't like. Okay, Louisville lost. You, I don't really think they're going to necessarily be a factor in it the remainder of the way. It's like the ACC now is down to only two real possibilities for a college football playoff, and that's UNC and Florida State. Yes, that's true. I mean, I, I don't remember if we've talked about this this season or not, but one of the things that the SEC has done so incredibly well is just finding a way to have an undefeated team or a one-loss team win the conference title each year. And that's been, I mean, they've done many things well to have so much success. I don't want to say it's just that, but that's mm-hmm. been one of the secrets, basically, because they have had teams that, you know, get upset once. I mean, Alabama's been the king of that, of losing and late September or early October, and then everyone writes the Alabama Dynasty's dead column. And then they circle the wagons and win eight games and are SEC champs at 12-1 and one and are like, hey, guess what? We're in the playoffs now. And that's basically been the problem so often, specifically with the Pac-12, and a lot of times recently with the ACC outside of Clemson. Mm-hmm. It's just been, they have not been able to truly like double down and be like, no, we're going to be a one-loss conference champ or better to well, guarantee we're getting one of those four playoffs. Well, maybe it's maybe the Pac-12 or the ACC will be able to take advantage. You mentioned Georgia. They barely, since they barely beat, they beat Vanderbilt by 17, but they did not look great in the process. And all, you know, the all-star tight end Brock Bowers hurt his ankle having surgery, likely out four to six weeks, maybe season ending. Like, he may not come back. And it's not like Georgia's been unflappable or infallible, like, this season. They have not looked great. You take away their best offensive player. I don't think, I I don't know if Georgia can get through this next six-week period unscathed. And now you're looking at maybe no teams in the SEC that are undefeated or unbeaten 
and now maybe they in addition with all those non-conference losses of the games they normally have won right but so it was like almost georgia by default i mean and then pretty much no one else with the way how this goes i don't know if like a one loss georgia even if they win the sec would you put a one loss georgia who wins the SEC and that one loss, like, they'd have to win the SEC. It's not like the one loss comes in the SEC championship game. They would win the SEC, but would you put them in over, like, a one-loss Oregon, a one-loss Washington, a one-loss UNC? I don't know if I could do that right now. I don't know. It's tough, and that's the real interesting thing to what you're saying, is that the fact that we're even stopping to think is showing how far that the SEC has apparently fallen compared to recent Right, because I, I mean, there's still Georgia. a lot of season left, and things can change. Yeah. But any other year in the last fifteen, it would have been like, well, yeah, clearly a one-loss SEC team is going to get, especially in the fourteen playoff era. It's like, of course they're going to get in. And that's where now it's yeah. kind of it's it's like you said, it's much more of like an eh. I mean, like maybe. Well, I that's don't know. why that's why I hope the committee is going to give the Oregon's, the the Washingtons, the the Utah or USC's, if they're factoring in, I hope they give them the SEC treatment and the benefit of the doubt because I I don't want Georgia to get in just on name alone and what they've done the last two years. You have to look at this year by year, and I know there's recency bias that goes into all of this, but it I mean, how can you look at Georgia and say definitively they're number one? I mean, that, you just you can't, especially with Brock Bowers out now. I just want to see how Georgia responds to that, but, I mean... It is worth noting, and, and, and I'm, I'm not saying this is Georgia every year. I think this may specifically be just to this year. Georgia kind of reminds me of those Pete Carroll USC teams, just in the sense that it's like, hey, is this a big game like it was against Kentucky? Mm-hmm. And they're like, we're showing up, and we are going to effing murder you. Mm-hmm. But when it's not a big game, you know, Auburn or... You know, Vanderbilt next or this past weekend. That's when it's like, yeah, we're sleepwalking. We're going through this. We want to play in big games. This isn't really that big of a game. We're bored. And I think that's actually what they're going to have to worry about is getting caught in one of those. Sure. Like, eh, we're not as jazzed about this. We want to play a big game we're excited about. Because I do think, like, I think they played Florida this week, if I remember right. Yeah, the I think that, party. I, don't, I think that, especially since Florida's kind of turned things around a bit. I fully expect them to just annihilate Florida. But it'll be when they're playing somebody else that you're like, oh, yeah, that should be an easy win. And they were like, wait, what's going on right now? This game's much closer than we thought it would be in the third quarter. That, that game's actually in two weeks. So or two weeks? Both, okay. I think they're both off this week, and then next week is the big game in Jacksonville. Uh, before we get to week eight's slate here, just want to touch quickly on SDSU uh hobo day last week and they exercised a lot of demons by beating northern iowa and not just beating but just like yes 41 to 6 and ndsu just got blitzed by und i thought und was going to win that game so the fact that und won isn't surprising it's how bad ndsu looked and how they couldn't stop the run at all just getting gashed up the middle which is so surprising um any thoughts from either of those games? I would say that it's very interesting that of the four Dakota schools in the FCS, three of them looked very good on Saturday. And the one that didn't was North Dakota State. And mm-hmm. that's just not something that's been the case very often. I, uh, 
I kind of toyed around with the idea of going to the game on Saturday. One of the reasons I didn't is that since I work so late on Fridays, I usually sleep in. I'm sure. like, I don't know if I want to wake up and drive two hours to Brookings now. Mm-hmm. But I was also like, I don't know, it might be fun. And then I saw that tickets were sold out. You had to buy them on the secondary market. And when I checked, the cheapest were like 140 And I was like, oh, never mind. They're I am not going out. to this game after all. Yeah, they're selling games out like crazy this year. They're going to have a sellout for the NDSU game. We'll see what they get for the game against Missouri State and then playoff time. Hopefully fans keep coming out because this is a product well worth watching and supporting. I mean, hopefully they... Yeah, they've been good for a while. And this yeah. is, I mean, well, this and last year combined, the best that they've ever been. Like, yeah. they, like, the other thing, too, is that, I mean, and I say this as a Nebraska football fan, like, these don't last forever. Like, they might be good for a long time. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be, we're number one and we're going to be the best team in the country and make legit. shit like, real legit national title runs, well, I mean, like, every single year. So, like, you should have swear everyone that's an SDSU fan yep, like, I mean, should enjoy this while they have the opportunity to. Absolutely, because we're not anticipating a nine championship, nine championships in 11 years like the Bison had. Like, that dynasty will never happen again, but this is a dynasty. Like, SDSU is now what NDSU was a decade ago, and hopefully they can sustain that success for a while, they do have to go to Southern Illinois this week. That's going to be difficult, uh, but Southern Illinois isn't great, so I think SDSU wins that game easily. But don't look ahead to the USD game next week. That is the that is a tough one. And speaking of that, yeah, the biggest USD SDSU game, and I mean since before SDSU went D one. I think if SDSU wins this week, I should say when they win this week. I think there is a greater than 50% chance that college game day will be in Vermilion, South Dakota the last week of October. So? You look at week nine. Look at, like, there's no game. Maybe Oregon, Utah. They might go to Salt Lake. Um, like Duke Louisville. Especially if Utah beats USA. Yeah, Duke Louisville. Like, there's just nothing there. This would be a top, a potential top five matchup at the FCS level. You get to see the. Um, the the national champions. This is you know they had that crazy play, the hail mary and stuff from a couple of years ago. So that there's a lot going there. To be fair, I don't think ESPN cares about the hail mary a couple of years ago when it comes to deciding the. No, but I'm just I saying like that's like the last time are, are points that would be in SDSU's favor, but I don't think. Right, yeah. I'm just no. That, I'm not saying that. It's just for like SDSU, this they're going back to the like the last time they were at USD, the hail mary happened. I I really do think that there's a, a better than fifty percent chance that next week, college game days will be in Vermilion, which sucks because you don't want to be in Vermilion ever. But for this for this point, like a top five FCS showdown, I think I think there's a chance because the week nine slate does not look good. I mean, I don't think it's that great of a shot, but it's worth noting in 2019, I thought there was no shot they'd go to the SDSU North Dakota State game in Rockies, and they did. So, I mean, I don't, my gut reaction is no, but I am much less confident than I was four years ago saying that when I ended up being wrong. And like you said, I think it does help that it's, I mean, clearly it helps that it's not a great slate of games either. This week's slate of games is decent. Uh, I don't know if it'll top last week, but we have a top 10 matchup in Columbus. 
Undefeated Penn State at uh, undefeated Ohio State, number seven Penn State, number three Ohio State, noon Eastern, 11 a.m. on Fox. Who are you uh, leaning towards in that one? I'm leaning towards Penn State. It's worth noting that I was also leaning towards Texas to beat Oklahoma because I picked Texas to win. I guess not to win the Big 12, but to make the Big 12 title game, and it was wrong. I think, and I picked Oregon last week because I picked Oregon to win the Pac-12 and make the playoffs, and ended up being wrong. Well, the third if I time remember, right, I picked Penn State to win the Big Ten. Yes. So I'm picking them to beat Ohio State, but I think I just don't feel great about that. Well, I think third time is the charm, and I think this game is big for Penn State because I think this. There are people, I think there's a lot of people out there that don't know how good Penn State truly is. This would validate them and their season by winning. And also, you could say the same thing for Ohio State, because I don't think a lot of people really believe in Kyle McCord yet. Like, oh, is Ohio State really this good? So, it's it's obviously a big game for both teams, but I think it's a little different. Like, Penn State's looking for respect and Ohio State's looking for a little bit more respect than what they're getting. I think that's a good breakdown of it. And if you're an Ohio State fan, you have to love that it's in Columbus, too. Yeah. I think that certainly helps. You know, in Ohio State's best win, being Notre Dame, is better than Penn State's best win, which is Iowa. Penn State, I do think it's yeah. worth noting that Iowa's defense is quite good, and Penn State's offense looked good against Iowa, but saying hey, guess what? We shut down Iowa's offense. Like, that doesn't mean anything to anybody. I hope Penn State wins. Their defense is wickedly good, but uh, but we'll see there. Uh, number 17, Tennessee at number 11, Alabama, 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Central Time on CBS. This is an intriguing game. Can uh, Jalen Milrow and um, Alabama continue their recent run of success, or can Tennessee beat them for a second straight year? Uh, any thoughts on this game? I I do want Tennessee to win. I like Tennessee more than I like Alabama. I think I picked Alabama to make the playoff and win the national title. I don't care. I'm almost always rooting against Alabama. And because of that, I just feel so often when this has happened, it's like, well, they're going to steal your soul and eat your heart. In fair or not fair, that's basically why I just feel like Alabama's going to win. Number 16, Duke at number 4, Florida State, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Central Time on ABC. Right now, Florida State's a 14-point favorite. If Duke has Riley Leonard, do you maybe give the edge to Duke, or do you give them a chance to keep this within a one-possession game late in the fourth quarter? If he plays, I think they could keep it close. I don't think that the analytics care whether Leonard plays or not. I think they, they've got it at 14 even if he plays. Because Florida State's just more talented across the board in half of what analytics care not half, but a big chunk of what they care about with analytics is how good are your recruiting rankings. Florida State's just always going to have better recruiting rankings than Duke. Mm-hmm. I do think Duke will be able to make this a game, but I think, and I don't think it'll end quite as dramatically as the Notre Dame-Duke game, but I think it'll kind of be like that, where Duke's in it, but Florida State's just going to make plays late because they're just better across the board mm-hmm. and uh number 14 utah at number 18 usc 8 p.m eastern 7 p.m central time on fox so this is a very good night slate that we got uh talked about a little bit i'm i'm gonna i hope utah wins but i'm picking usc to win i just think uh, unless cam rising all of a sudden rises from the ashes and plays i don't see how utah can keep pace with usc unless caleb williams has another atrocious game 
I don't know why I don't feel great about this. I'm picking Utah now. I just think it's going to be a weird, you know, uh, what's wrong with USC? They don't play great on offense. Utah finds a way to solve out a 24-20 win. Just a super, a super stupid Pac-12 game. I hope like, if right. this is the last year of the Pac-12, mm-hmm. we need more of the dub ones. Yes. Like, Stanford beating Colorado like that probably counts as at least two. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we still haven't had enough yet. I feel like that Utah beating USC in that way would also count for at least, maybe not two, but at least one and a half. And then uh, Clemson at Miami, each team 4-2, and two, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central Time on the ACC Network. Which fan base is going to be more pissed off come Sunday morning? It's going to be Miami because Clemson's going to win. Okay. Which is funny because three weeks ago we'd be like, well, clearly Miami's going to be Clemson. And it's just, wow, I've, wow, I've changed things or things changed in recent uh, weeks that all of a sudden Miami looks incredibly mediocre. We're going to play a quick game of when will they if you would, if you uh, want to do that. You up for it? Yep. Let me grab my laptop quick, open okay. up ESPN, click on the standings page. All right, I am good to go. Okay, we're not going to go through everyone, but we're going to pick most of them here. Uh, Oklahoma, 6-0. and uh, They have what uh, UCF this week. Well, that's a lovely game. Uh, when will they? When will Oklahoma lose their first game? Okay, UCF. You know what? I am going to say, even though things didn't go well for this team this past weekend, I am going to say it's going to be in two weeks at Kansas. God, I hope Daniels plays for Kansas. I agree with that. If he doesn't, Kansas is not going to be able to win. Right. I'm going to say he does, and that they pull off the upset over well. I I agree with you wholeheartedly there. Let's go to Conference USA and Liberty is 6-0. and uh, when will they? When will they lose their first game? Liberty. Let's see. As I pull up their schedule, I'm looking at this. Um, that was a good question. Let's see. Oh, Western Kentucky's fairly good, and they play at Western Kentucky, so they are going to lose. Also, I did not realize till right now that their next two games are on Tuesday. I don't know when this releases, but. Uh, Tuesday, October 17th, and Tuesday, October 24th. Yeah, Conference USA got in on the midweek matching action here. Um, a lot of There are some people who aren't very happy with it. But, hey, if you can get your games on national television, you're going to do it. So, kudos, kudos to them. How about those Sam Houston Bearcats? They're winless, so when will they, Charlie, when will they get their first win? They are favorites this week against 3 and 4 FIU. I am going to say that where's the Florida International? I'm going to say that they also lose. No, they, they lose the Florida International, then they win the next week against Utah. On that Wednesday night ESPN2 national audience, they will play up to their capabilities okay. and win. 28-27. All right. Air Force, ranked Air Force, undefeated in the Mountain West. When will they lose their first game? It is crazy that it took this long for an undefeated Air Force team to get ranked. Mm-hmm. Also, how about how UNLV only has one loss? Every time I see that, I keep, I keep forgetting. I'm just always stunned to see that. Well, UNLV for years has been a punching bag, and... 
This year in the state of Nevada, they are the best team by far, and Nevada is awful. Even though this team is not that great this year, and it is at Air Force, actually, I'm going to change my mind. I was going to say that it's going to be Army, then I, or they're going to they're going to beat Army. But when they, yeah, you know, and this other team doesn't have a great record, I don't care. Going on the road to Hawaii on November 11th. That is a long road trip, even for self-disciplined service academy guys. And I'm going to say that they're, you know, you frequently get weird out cooking stuff when Hawaii plays at home. So I'm going to say it is going to be November 11th at Hawaii, which appears to be a 10 p.m. start time. Did you uh, see the awful loss that Boise State had to Colorado State? Uh, I did not. I actually have not seen it. I saw that they did lose. It was bad. Um, and Boise State's three and four. They're not very good. Um, I, they're better than they should be. Better than three and four. That's what I'll say. I, I, I'm very stunned that Boise State's doing as bad as they are this year. Zero and six, Nevada. When will they, Charlie? When will they get their first win of the year? Right, as I hit schedule on Nevada. Mm, boy, this is. I feel bad for saying this. I've maybe said this before on this program. I don't remember. We went winless my senior year in high school in football, and I wouldn't wish that on anyone. I don't think Nevada's going to win a game this year. I think they're going to finish off twelve. They're bad. Okay. Uh, we talked about Washington a lot this year. They uh, mentioned the gauntlet of a schedule they have in November. So, Charlie, when will they lose their first game? They're going to beat Arizona State. They're going to beat Stanford. I think they're going to be. You know what? They're, they're, their first loss is going to be to Oregon in the Pac-12 title game. Okay. Yes. I like it. That all but guarantees, then, one would think, a spot in the college football playoff for Washington if their lone loss is to Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. I like that. Uh, we talked about Georgia and their struggles potentially coming up with Brock Bowers. When will they lose their first game? Well, I'm not going to contradict what I said and say that they're going to lose to Florida. Um, I think I think that it will be the week after Florida. They are going to lose at home to Missouri. They're going to be thinking, you know what? We beat Florida. We feel great. We got to be ready for Ole Miss's offense the following week, and they are going to overlook Mizzou. And they were going to lose to the Tigers. Oh, very good. I like that call there. And finally, James Madison, not eligible for the uh, for the Sun Belt Conference. They can't even go to a bowl game this year because of the transit. It's so stupid. So stupid. This team is very good. They're clearly the best team, head and shoulders in the Sun Belt. Uh, Charlie, when will they? When will James Madison lose their first game? Their first loss is going to be. Against UConn. Just kidding. It's not going to be against UConn. UConn's terrible. Um, I'm going to say that it is going to be, depending on when you release this, but just this week, because they're playing at Marshall on a Thursday night, and I just think weird stuff's going to happen. Very good. It's going to be a classic mid-major Thursday night game with goofy stuff going on. Very good. Well, Bowl Bound or not is going to make its return here either next week or the first week in November. So uh, we look forward to that game. 
Uh, you know, as, of course, I always enjoy you playing along here with me. Is there anything else we need to get to before we say so long? Um, that's a good question. I don't think I have anything else. I was going to see if I could pull out a Deion Sanders joke from the SNL bit, but I don't have it memorized quite yet. Wait, we're undefeated. Right. We are undefeated this year. Yeah. Oh, apart from that loss except, to... Oh, you mean except for your loss to USA? Yep, yes. They're good. Yep. And Oregon? Nope, yep. jump two. Yep, there's good. Stanford, oh, I left that game in halftime. Yeah, exactly right. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. If you haven't watched it yet, you need to. It is... Just spectacular. Uh, But I always appreciate the time, my friend. Have a great rest of your week. Uh, Enjoy the college football this week, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. You enjoy it too, Stan. I will. I will very much. Thank you, Charlie. Charlie Hildebrand from the Northwest Eye Review, kind enough to join me here a lot uh, that we went over. Again, Washington, Oregon. That was the game of the week by far. And, uh, yeah, so good. So good. Uh, Looking forward to what we're going to have coming up here with them uh, moving forward. Hopefully it's Washington and Oregon. Injury to Brock Bowers at Georgia, I think, really puts a cloud over not only the SEC, but the legitimacy of Are they going to be able to be in the – remain undefeated? Because if not, I think you have a lot of conversation, certainly from teams in the Big Ten and – uh, North Carolina and Florida State and the ACC, and of course the the Pac-12, with potentially getting a, a couple of teams in to the college football playoff. But we'll see. We'll wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast with we'll look back at Week Six in the NFL. Make some early picks for Week Seven. That's coming up here next as we wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Available on podcast.com or archive.org. Also on iTunes. Follow Charlie on Twitter at C Hildebrand. Wrapping up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast next. Talking NFL. Stay tuned on another edition of the Sports Block Podcast. We wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast with a look back at what happened in week six. Make some really picks for week seven. It began Thursday night. Uh, pretty much a dreadful Thursday night football game. The Kansas City Chiefs beat the Denver Broncos 19-8. to Russell Wilson was terrible in this one. The Chiefs have some major red zone issues, but, I mean, they moved the ball up and down the field all night. Travis Kelsey had over 100 yards. T-Swizzle, Taylor Swift was in the building, which was great. Um, yeah, Chiefs get the big win. Well, big win. They beat the Broncos as they've done 16 straight times now, 19-8. Uh, Sunday, the last London game happened, and the Baltimore Ravens beat the Tennessee Titans 24-16. Folks in England love soccer, love football. Well, they they got to see a lot of kicks in this one. Justin Tucker made six field goals. Nick Folk made three. Uh, Concern for Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill, high ankle sprain. We'll see when he's available next. But the Titans, uh, there's some concerns for sure. As they fall to two and four, Baltimore improves to four and two. Vikings beat the Bears 19 to 13. Justin Fields gets hurt in this game. Uh, the, the Vikings. First game without Justin Jefferson, not great results. Jordan Hicks has an interception in this one and a fumble recovery return for a touchdown, which was big in the Bear in the Vikings hold off a Bears rally, 19-13. Commanders, they bounce back from that bad loss to Chicago the week before. They beat Atlanta 24-16. Desmond Ritter looked so good the week before. 
throws three interceptions in this one can happen, including one late that uh, ultimately cost the Falcons a chance to potentially tie the game. Speaking of bad interceptions, Geno Smith threw a couple of interceptions against the Cincinnati Bengals and red zone woes for the Seahawks in this one. They lose 17-13 to to Cincinnati. The Bengals scored two touchdowns on their first two possessions, could only muster a field goal the remainder of the game, but their defense did uh, stepped up and did their job, and they get the win to improve to 3-3. Three and three. So the Bengals, things are looking up for them once again. Talked about this, Travis, a little bit in depth. The Browns, a very surprising Sunday, but the Browns get the win over the 49ers, 19-17. P.J. Walker, third-string quarterback, getting the start in this one. Or is he the backup now? Who knows? Um, But the 49ers, the the weather was bad in this one. There's a pregame scuffle between the two teams. Like The 49ers may be crossing over into the Browns. Uh, warm-up area. You probably shouldn't do that. Then you lose Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, and Trent Williams to injuries. Doesn't sound like any of them are um, major, but they may miss a game or two. Maybe none at all. We don't know, but either way, the Browns uh, get some big stops on defense. They kick a couple late field goals. The 49ers drive down the field, and rookie Jake Moody misses a 41-yard field goal as time expires and the Browns get the win over San Francisco. Houston Texans, they didn't get to three wins until week 18 of the regular season last year. They're all ready to three this year. C.J. Stroud did throw his first interception of his professional career, but uh, the, the Texans' defense was up to the task of stopping the Saints inside the red zone, and they did it multiple times. The Texans get the win 20-13 to over Derek Carr and the New Orleans Saints. Another year playing in Jacksonville. Another year no win for the Indianapolis Colts. Jacksonville blitzes the Indianapolis Colts 37-20. They were up 31-6 to um, late in the third quarter, early fourth quarter. Scored 21 points in the second quarter. The Jaguars just know how to beat Indianapolis and Indy. There's no other way around it. Miami spotted the Carolina Panthers 14 quick points and said, okay, that's enough. They score 42 of the next 49 points, and the Panthers only touchdown after that 14. Nothing late was a pick six late in the fourth quarter. Tyreek Hill, another monster game, did a flip in the end zone with a camera. NFL subsequently deleted it, but this Dolphins offense is so fun to watch. They crush Carolina 42-21. to Carolina remains winless on the year. The Las Vegas Raiders improved to 3-3 thanks to their 21-17 win over the New England Patriots. Mac Jones, another terrible interception in this one. The Patriots offense did get going a little bit late, but too little too late, and the Raiders hold on for the win there despite Devontae Adams not doing much of anything. Here come the Detroit Lions. Travis was talking about how they should be number one uh, in the power rankings of the NFL. I'm not there yet. But they get a win over Baker Mayfield and the the Buccaneers 20-6. The defense was great in this one. Amonra St. Brown had a monster game for Detroit. They did lose David Montgomery, their running back. He sounds like he'll be out a few weeks with a rib injury. But the Lions get uh, get a big win. I mean, they're they're playing really good football right now. The Rams rushed three times for five yards in the first half against the Arizona Cardinals. They trailed 9-6. Hmm, maybe you should run a little bit more. Kyron Williams, he ran the rock in the second half, had over 150 yards and a touchdown. The Rams go on to cruise past Arizona 26-9. Cooper Cup, another big day with a touchdown in this one. 
New York Jets hand the Philadelphia Eagles their first loss of the year, 20-14. They pick off Hurts three times. Philadelphia missed a field goal. All the Jets could do was muster four field goals until that final um, drive. Well, actually, I mean, it was one play, eight yards. Brees Hall ran it in after they picked off Jalen Hurts. Eagles couldn't get the job done. This Jets defense is incredible, and they uh, they put the clamps down on uh, Jalen Hurts and company and get the win. Sunday Night Football, the Bills didn't have a point until the fourth quarter. They scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, uh, have to hold off a late Giants push. Uh, they had an untimed down at the one-yard line. Probably should have been pass interference called because uh, the Bills' corner or safety was holding tight end Darren Waller. No call was made. The Bills hang on for a 14-9 win, but it's a win that you really shouldn't feel good about. And then the Dallas Cowboys get the win over the L.A. Chargers 20-17. A lot of folks, a lot of Cowboys fans there at SoFi Stadium there in Inglewood. Justin Herbert had just an awful day. Missing receivers left and right. Uh, Interception late that cost him. I mean, the, the Chargers did what they could to... Hold the Cowboys in check. You would expect more from Justin Herbert and the Charger offense, but they were unable to do so, and they lose 20-17 to and fall 2-3. This was the first game after the bye. Let's go now to Week 7. Here it begins Thursday night, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time on Prime Video. The Jaguars at the New Orleans Saints. Trevor Lawrence has some issues with his, with his knee. Says it's progressing good. He expects to play. If he does play, I like the Jaguars to take down New Orleans. If he doesn't, give me New Orleans to to beat the backup and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Sunday, the Detroit Lions at the Baltimore Ravens, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on Fox. It's hard to pick against the Lions here, and yet I am. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, hopefully there's not too much of a jet lag coming back from London. Think they'll be okay? I'll, I'll I'll take a flyer on the Ravens here to beat the Lions. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders at the Chicago Bears, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. Doesn't sound like Justin Fields is going to play. Tyson Badgett will. Raiders are playing decent football right now. Give me the Raiders to beat the Bears in a low-scoring affair. Cleveland Browns at the Indianapolis Colts, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. Browns defense is great. They're going to hold Gardner Minshew and the Colts offense in check. I like the Browns to get the win, regardless of who plays quarterback for them. New England Patriots at the Buffalo Bills, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. Bills hopefully had a wake-up call against the Giants last week. The Patriots suck. Bills should win this game easily. I'm going Buffalo. Washington Commanders at the New York Giants, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. I like what I saw from the Giants last week. We'll see if Daniel Jones plays. Can they keep that intensity up? Washington up and down. Yeah, I, I just can't figure out what it like. What Washington is, what what they're going to be. Take a chance with the Giants here in this one. Atlanta Falcons at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on Fox. Buccaneers bounce back from that loss to the Lions. Baker Mayfield plays well. I like Tampa over Atlanta. Pittsburgh Steelers at the L.A. Rams, 4:05 p.m. Eastern, 3:05 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Steelers offense. You're gonna wake up here. Going to be tough uh, running against Aaron Donald and company. Cooper Cup playing well. I'm going to, you know, screw it. I'm gonna, I was going to go Pittsburgh. Let me go the Rams here. I know there's going to be a lot of Steelers fans there. I'll take a chance with the Rams. Arizona Cardinals at the Seattle Seahawks, 4.05 p.m. Eastern, 3.05 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Cardinals are playing tough. 
But Seattle, they're looking to bounce back from that loss to Cincinnati. Give me Seattle in this one. Green Bay Packers at the Denver Broncos, 425 p.m. Eastern, 325 p.m. Central Time on CBS. Packers coming off of a bye. I mean, Jordan Love didn't play great against the Raiders. He needs to play better in this one. I'm going to take a chance with him and uh, outdueling Russell Wilson. Give me the Packers over the Broncos here. L.A. Chargers at the Kansas City Chiefs, 425 p.m. Eastern, 325 p.m. Central Time on CBS. Listen, I, how can you trust the Chargers right now? How can you trust Justin Herbert and company late to make a play? Give me Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, and the Chiefs in this one. Game of the week, Miami Dolphins at the Philadelphia Eagles, 8.20 p.m. Eastern, 7.20 p.m. Central Time on NBC. Dolphins, show us you're the real deal. Both teams are 5-1. Give me the Dolphins and their high-powered offense to, to uh, take down the Eagles. And then Monday Night Football, San Francisco 49ers at the Minnesota Vikings, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time on ESPN and ABC. If Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, and Debo Samuel don't play, the Vikings have a chance in this one. A chance. It's not great. And I don't even think they they will win without them, but at least it's a better chance. Taking the 49ers here. Just too good. Justin Jefferson were playing. Maybe that changes the equation, but 49ers bounce back after that loss to Cleveland. And those are your Week 7 picks. Official picks and predictions can be found in the stack. Stackattack.sportsblog.com in our Thursday post. Uh, we're not doing the blog on Friday. We're away for the weekend, so we're going to do the, the Football Friday post a day early. Uh, that'll do it for this week's edition of the Sports Blog Podcast. You can find us on podcast.com or archive.org iTunes, search the sports block. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Facebook Nathan Stacken, Travis on Twitter at Travis Krins, Charlie on Twitter at CE Hildebrand. A, a link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. As always, uh, thank you for listening. Hope you have a great week for those in Minnesota. Enjoy MEA break if you have kids. Uh, hopefully, you get to do something fun. We're going to do a little little trip, a little family getaway this weekend. So, looking forward to that. Uh, enjoy all the football, enjoy the playoff baseball, and we'll be back to talk about it all next week. So for Travis and Charlie, I'm Nathan. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you next week on another edition of the Sports Block Podcast.